You are listening to The New Prisoners. A copy of each week's monologue and source list are available on our Minds page and Substack. Check out our video content on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brighteon. For audio versions, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and many others. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you find us, and join the conversation by leaving your comments wherever you can. You can follow The New Prisoners and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Instagram and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Gab or at New Prisoner 6 on Twitter. If you would like to be a guest, please email the new prisoner number 6 at protonmail.com and provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. You can now donate to The New Prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support with a monthly donation of 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99. We also have a subscribe store where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. You can also donate both US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Now let's get on with the show. If you were going to build anything, from a birdhouse to a space station, you're probably going to rely on a few foundational principles. Whether it being how to measure the hole in the birdhouse to make the feed easy to reach, or making sure the windows in the space station fit the holes made for them, you have to accept that the measurements taken and practices of doing those tasks are correct. But what if you didn't? What if you just left the measurements up to your interpretation based on your lived experiences or your gender or your race? And what if you took that method and applied it to mass production? I think we all know what would happen. Things wouldn't work or fall apart. Now, when we see government use those methods to solve any issue, We should look at them the same way as an angry cardinal would after not being able to get any feed out of the birdhouse, and hopefully not the same way an astronaut would after being sucked into the vacuum of space. I bring this up because this week we're going to discuss how the government, primarily in democratic cities around the country, are handling violence. Violence is a problem as old as finding food or making any structure. Knowing how to control or prevent violence rests upon some foundational principles. If those principles are not adhered to properly, things start to fail and break down, resulting in victimization and death. It's not an exact science, of course, but there is undeniably a foundation of principles handed down from generation to generation as to how to deal with violence and violent people. At least until the modern era, 
where things have become so subjective and experimental that our teachers have started telling students that they are justified in using violence. The news agrees, and so does our own government. We ask the government who commits murder to define murder and to try its citizens and itself based on that definition. Instead of stopping the moral wrong, though, it creates a web of jargon and bureaucracy to shield it from the consequences of its failures. And those of you that have been listening for a while already know, we are big fans of consequences here at The New Prisoners. The government makes Joe Pesci's characters in movies like Casino and Goodfellas look like Russell Brand. The reason for that being Instead of the government using its resources to produce something like a pencil, it instead produces solutions to pencils being dropped on the floor. If government decided the proper moral framework to solve that issue, we would all have pencils glued to our hands. Government is the famous example of I pencil in reverse. Instead of many systems solving a problem or serving a need, it instead finds a problem or need and continues to build systems that perpetuate that problem or need. It does so rather because the intention was never there to solve the problem or meet the need in the first place, or the eventual corruption of entities like government caused the mission to fail. Because the racket ends when the people would get what they want. So therefore, if you are in the government, you never let the people have whatever that is. Or else you are no longer of any use and you will lose the money and power granted to you to solve the problem. If the current U.S. government were a classroom and the lesson was about morality, a look around the room would reveal Biden hitting one of his arteries with the safety scissors and Kamala showing everyone how much of the Elmer's glue she can swallow. We don't need these people to show us how to behave. If anything, we should be monitoring their behavior in fucking prison. The moral framework is already there for us to adhere to. It's right there in our history and in our faith. We just have to acknowledge it and implement it as a culture. All of us. Just as we wouldn't believe a government official telling us that wheels don't roll or fire isn't hot, we should never accept that the government is the answer to our problems. We are the answer to our problems. Or at least we can be when we treat our fellow brothers and sisters as we would like to be treated. Let us care for ourselves and one another like we would the most precious gift we've ever been given. Let's treat life like the miracle that it is and teach that to our children so that they may carry that knowledge further down the line to sustain many generations after us. Think of all the beautiful structures that can be built with that framework. Okay, I'm number six.
And I'm here with John Henry. And these are the other stories as told by the news of the week. So this is The New Prisoners. And on this week's show, we'll be talking about um, violence in democratic cities. Um, Ron DeSantis versus pretty much everybody. Uh, The trans medical industry and how they've taken the masks away pretty much everywhere, except for a few places we'll talk about. But the emergency order still stays. So, John Henry, would you like to say hello to the people this week? Oh, man. Welcome back to the End of the World podcast. Boy, are we extra fucked this week. (laughs) We have a lot to talk about. Uh, California, uh, I'm about ready for you to break off and fall into the fucking ocean. California has officially legalized murder. Infanticide. I will talk about that a little bit. CERN and the Hadron Collider uh, just so happened to fire that bad boy back up, looking for a fifth element when the planets align. So are we looking for a fifth element or a portal to hell? I'll I'll let you folks decide. Um, So let's go to violence, right? We're going to start right off with violence. And, um, you know, one of of the sayings I really like is, um, you know, knowing is half the battle. What's the other half? Violence. Uh, This is just fucking wrong. Um, You know, basically... Democratic cities have become war-torn wastelands. Um, when you see the propensity of violence, and, and to me there's a direct correlation of one, violence being promoted through the Black Lives Matters protests, all of the protests, uh, for people to go completely unpunished for, for killing and maiming and assaulting and raping and uh, murdering and destroying property, right? It's basically greenlit every piece of shit out there to go ahead and do wrong. So you look at California as an example. We've talked about the mass looting to the point where organizations are closing down. Huge, huge chains are closing their facilities uh, because they can't afford to stay open because of that. Um, You know, we see a lot of bad stuff. You know, one of the stories from this week in New York City, uh, a group of African-Americans beat the shit out of a Latino girl uh, calling her white bitch uh, because she had braids in her hair. And specifically assaulted her and attacked her because they thought she was white and she was, uh, you know, participating in cultural appropriation, but she was actually a Latina. Uh, Again, folks, look at the fucking TV. As much as I tell you to break the TV, it's going to show you why what's happening is happening. Uh, You know, it's just become so extraordinary at this point. And today we're going to start off with an example in Atlanta that just it's it's stunning. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And there's video footage of it. And what it is, is there's a gentleman that gets out of a vehicle. Uh, he is walking down the sidewalk. Uh, a man, another African-American gentleman. By the way, this man is African-American, black guy. Uh, another younger black guy comes up behind him, pulls out a pistol, and literally executes him in the middle of the sidewalk. Shoots him in the back of the head. This guy doesn't have a ski mask on. This guy is not trying to hide this act. There's another person literally sitting on the curb about 50 yards away that watches the process of this happens, literally, walks up behind this gentleman, older black gentleman, puts a gun to his head, the guy has no idea what's going on, and he literally takes his life from him. You know, the guy down the sidewalk looks over, shakes his head. Now, next step is, he murders this man in cold blood, then digs through his pockets. Digs through his pockets. Top doesn't know if he has a dollar or a million dollars or a Rolex or maybe the guy just um, got out of being homeless and got his first job at, at Target. I don't know. But he killed this man. Digs through his pockets, 
leaves his body. The gentleman further down the sidewalk gets up, walks past this man's dead body. Nobody is concerned. There's no hysteria. Nobody's calling 911. Walks right past. Then you have two other young gentlemen. They have bags of food in their hands. Okay, I know that the place this happened in front of was like a chicken wing seafood place. While they're holding their dinner, they see this man with his brain splatter all over the sidewalk. And then what they do is double check and see if there's anything left in his pockets. Uh, And then they just go on their merry way. Folks, we have become so desensitized to violence. It's become such a common theme. Um, And people are willing to do these heinous, horrific acts with no recourse. Now, we know why. Basically, people have been trained on this type of violence and you know again i'm going to go back to the black Lives matters protests where you know you had all of these politicians cheering on violence the most extreme versions of it you look at chop um you know i remember watching an interview of the the father whose son was killed uh, at uh, at the chopped encampment in seattle and just said man nobody cared nobody cared so the promotion of these violent acts have become unbelievable and these democratic politicians have absolutely cheered it on And I think genuinely this instance really sums up the point that we've gotten to in these democratic cities. And it is just fucking horrific to execute this man unknowingly. And then not only the murderer, but other people to dig through his pockets without any type of care. Um, This isn't a third world country where this type of thing is common. I mean, it's unbelievable to me that this is in America, folks. We got to stand up. We have to, you know, this is a very important year. It's a critical year. We really need to get these America First politicians in office and get the police refunded, right? And get back to where we need to be, which is safety. We need safety. You know, that's the one socialist thing that I agree with is the fact that we have public servants that we fund through taxes. I'm okay with that version of socialism. I'm okay with funding a police department so that if somebody breaks in your house or you get robbed, that there's somebody there to protect you or help you. I'm okay with funding the fire department so that if your house catches on fire, though somebody's going to stop it from burning down. And at this point, we need our public servants. We need our first responders in the worst way. But more importantly, we need politicians back in office that are ready to say, it's time to make America safe again. You know, that's one of the things that Trump always says in every rally he does. You know, we're going to make America safe again. And this is a perfect example of why that is so critical to us in the direction that we're going. So, Um, You know, I I was just horrified when I saw this. This is such a a nightmare scenario. And the guy that got killed, it could have been anybody, folks. It could have been you. It could have been a friend or family member, your father, your wife, your child. I mean, it's just a terrible thing. So um, what's your thoughts? Oh, you know, speaking of, before I turn it over to number six, you know, I got to tell you, the the reporter that asked um, Lori Lightfoot, you know, how could you even consider running for re-election based on how much damage has been done to this city because of you. Good for you, man. Good for you for asking that question. Now, her response was, I won't even dignify that question. Well, fuck you, Lori Lightfoot, you monster. We know that she's been completely anti-police and pro-violence this entire time. But, you know, when you look at this, guys, I think we've had some really good examples of, you know, we've got to start recognizing which candidates are really pro first responders, police, and really fighting to get us back to a safe place to call home. What do you think about this, sir? Well, thank you, uh, John Henry, for introducing this. But uh, I just uh, right now, th- out of the the stories that we've been seeing, 
And this past week too, just to to bring this up too, because we'll be talking about this, um, that mass shooting um, incident in Pittsburgh, PA as well. Uh, we had some footage just dropped on our lap um, right after we were done recording last week. And it's funny because we were talking about that very subject too, about these mass shootings and Black Lives Matter and the influence of the propaganda um, in that community and in other communities too, frankly, uh, to radicalize people into violence. And and just here in the Liberty Movement, we're, we're so radically against that. And I think it's because like we understand um, here in the Liberty Movement, uh, uh, and when you spoke about safety too, and and sort of the, the socialist leanings of that, and we'll get to that a little bit more too um, here in the upcoming articles. Hey, can I interject real fast? Yeah. You know, uh, I called all the feminists out about the men and athlete, you know, participating in women's sports. I'm going to call the, the African Americans out right now. Folks, I just want to be very clear. I firmly believe and agree with the statement that black lives matter. I don't agree with the organization or the propaganda that's pushed, but I certainly believe that that every single human life is very precious. And, and that certainly includes African Americans and black folks, right? They do matter. Where are you at on this topic? Because when you look at the shooting in Pittsburgh, uh, I believe all of the victims were African Americans. When you look at the shooting in this example, that gentleman is an African American. So when when are you going to stand up and say, I've had enough of this within my community? Because that's utterly important. Violence is violence. It doesn't matter if it's black, white, purple, yellow, green, tan, brown. It doesn't matter. It's just wrong. But when you look at these examples like this, to see these these folks, these African Americans being killed or shot, wounded, it's terrible. It's terrible. You got to stand up for your communities, guys. You have to. You know, we can't perpetuate these single mother households and gangbanger lifestyle and all this bullshit because you know what the end of that is. The end is jail. The end is death. And it's not the right thing. So the communities have got to come together genuinely because they do matter, man. These lives matter more than anything. Sorry, man. I, I just, you know, it, I hate to see this. I, I hate this so much. Well, I understand why so you much. feel so passionately about that too, because it really leads back and, and you sort of made that point for me, John Henry too. Uh, you were right on it. Is, is the moral standing is that, you know, in order to exist with freedom and liberty in this country, we have to exist upon a moral framework. Um, this is something that's been referenced by Jonathan Haidt. Um, but the, for, for me, really, the, the more recent realizations have, have come uh, through listening to stuff like uh, our, our friend Silas Guthier from Silas Speaks um, and just how brilliant he is with being able to rattle off not only just history and ancient history, um, but then also uh, stuff from the Bible and, and other religious works. Like just having that understanding having that in sort of enlightened perspective or a knowledgeable perspective on things makes all of the difference in the world. And, and that's why when you see like, and that's the reason why I wanted to talk about this subject is because the way that people live in these democratic controlled cities, um, whether it be through the violence or the threat of violence from the state I mean, because we could have just made the, this entire thing about the way the democratic cities have cracked down on people uh, during COVID too. The approach is always the same. Um, they work in reverse. 
and they work in reverse of a natural order of things. Um, there is a famous work uh, called Eye Pencil. Uh, the Mises Institute talks about all the time, John Henry. And it talks about how all of these different facets of society contribute to, to make the existence possible of something as simple as a pencil. Well, what the government does, John Henry, is that it finds a problem and then it builds a framework out from that problem instead. Instead of aiming it towards a particular point, instead of that scope narrowing down into one singular thing like a pencil, it starts as a problem like somebody dropped their pencil, and then it turns it into a fucking government program that will never get rid of the cost us a trillion goddamn dollars per year. <laughs> like it just builds and builds and builds upon that. Um, it's Pandora's box. Like Adam Curtis was so brilliant in talking about uh, that in one of his earlier documentaries. It's just that it, the real Pandora's box here is that when we ask the government to step in and, and, and create certain levels of protection, what exactly are we allowing it to get away with? And what we allow it to get away with depends so much on our moral framework and what we will stand up for as a people too. What we will say, no, this is immoral. We will not stand for this. So just to quickly for our listeners out there, um, th the article that John Henry referenced when we started this uh, podcast here is from Not the Bee, and this is from Joel Abbott. And the title is, This Atlanta Man Was Murdered in Broad Daylight and Passerbys Just Ignored His Body in a Haunting Modern Version of Jesus's Parable. Now, John Henry, you you've known me for a long time. And you could probably vouch for the fact that uh, I'm probably not going to be the one that's going to rattle off these things from the Bible to most people. But this really shocked me because like, I'm starting to accept that there are no coincidences, including whenever it comes to the comparisons that you see between what's happening now and what's been referenced in religious works like the Bible. I think that there's a lot more that I feel that I, I've left out in my life not looking into those things. So maybe that's something I need to brush up on myself. But let's take it away from Joel Abbott here. He says, Atlanta police recently released this video, and there's a link to the video in here, folks. I'm not going to play it right now. But showing the moment a random thug, and I like that description of that person, walked up behind a man who had just exited his vehicle, shot him in the back of the head, then robbed him and walked calmly away. A man sitting on the curb a few feet away, as John Henry said, watched the whole thing, then walked over and shook his head before continuing on his way. Another group of men then came across the body and proceeded to pick it over for any valuables that were left. This is the America we're living in. Now, it says just minutes, and this is uh, from Fox 5 Atlanta, just minutes before 7 p.m. on a Monday. A high-resolution surveillance camera clearly captured 51-year-old security guard Anthony Frazier, rest in peace, Anthony, getting out of a black GMC parked along the side of the American Wings and Seafood Restaurant, how aptly named, in a strip mall located at 387 Cleveland Avenue Southwest. Now, this, this reminds me of George Carlin's old bit about how America turned into a strip mall, but I digress. He was briefly distracted as he got out of the SUV and headed towards the front of the store wearing his black enforcement shirt. This haunting and heartbreaking scene reminds me of Jesus' parable about the Good Samaritan. And who is my neighbor? 
the expert in the law asked Jesus when Jesus told him to love God and love his neighbor. Jesus replied with a story of a man who had been robbed and left for dead on the side of a dangerous road between Jerusalem and Jericho. After the man's naked body was thrown aside, two men passed him but did nothing. Just like the man on the curb in the video. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So this from Fox 5 again. The gunman then turns around and started to walk towards the woods behind the business. As he walks away from the scene, he turns to an older man who is sitting on the sidewalk some 35 feet away, who is watching the whole thing unfold, completely unmoved by the violence. As the gunman passes, the older man puts up both his hands up towards him. The gunman then drops something, picked it up, and left the scene. That older man then walks past the SUV and Fraser, shaking his head and looking at him without stopping to check on him. Instead, the Good Samaritan, however, the victim in Atlanta, got a mob of vultures that picked clean the corpse. This is the America that we are living in. I mean this literally. God help us, he says. Wow, what an introduction and what an article. But uh, John Henry, you see these sort of parallels, right? in your daily life and the teachings that you've had about your spirituality, about your beliefs, how much of this do you see? How much of that just strikes you whenever you see something like this? Because if I'm starting to get it, I know it's hitting you, brother. I mean, it's like we're upon the end times. There's a lot of darkness in this world and people have come to embrace it. You know, uh, when we open, I mentioned California a little bit, and, and the reason I was referencing California is they, they've passed a bill where they've genuinely legalized infanticide. Um, you can allow a baby to starve to death or become dehydrated and die uh, legally with no type of recourse. And, you know, I, I sent number six a video, and if you guys follow a lot of the stuff we follow, which I'm sure y'all do if you're listening to the show you would see the interviews uh, of women asking questions about if they think that's okay. And, uh, and, and one man, I believe, and the overall response was, yes, that's fine. Uh, one woman even saying, fuck them kids. Whatever the woman has to do to be successful, two of the women admitted to having abortions and said they would do it a hundred times over again. We're at the end, guys. We're at the end. Moral compass, good, it's all gone. We currently live in Sodom and Gomorrah. So when you want to talk about a fucking parallel, what comes next? And if you don't know, take five minutes of your life and learn about what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Because that's where we are. We have embraced evil and darkness and misdeeds and, you know, everything is sexualized. There is no more moral compass for these people. And it is being pushed over and over and over again. I don't watch much TV. 
Uh, I know that doesn't surprise any one of our listeners because I tell you to smash your fucking TV. But I watched a YouTube video the other day. And the commercial for the YouTube video, and I like motorcycle videos and guitar videos, just random shit, right? The first one was a Fitbit commercial. And um, there was a transgender man uh, swinging around on a stripper pole. Uh, that was subsequently followed up by a um, eHarmony video, I think it was, uh, with gay couples uh, making out in the video. We're gone, man. We're gone from the days of good and righteousness. And unfortunately, the next stop on this this journey is a bad one. It's a fucking bad one. We've embraced violence and death. We've become so callous to it. Calloused. I can't even fathom what your life has had to consist of. Forget about the murderer, the cold-blooded fucking scumbag murderer. Forget about him for a second, right? But what life have you had to live? What type of exposure to horrific things must you have had for the pack of the guys with their lunch in their hand to see this man dead, bleeding out of his head on the street. And their first inclination is, does he have anything of value in his pockets? What has happened to us? What has happened to our communities? What has happened to parenting? This is a dark place we live in. A dark fucking place, guys. If we don't change our trajectory, and I mean fucking now, then the result will be what it was in Sodom and Gomorrah, which is total destruction. And there was a warning for those people to stop living immoral lives. And they didn't listen. And we're not listening. And for us, it's getting progressively worse and worse and worse. More violent more deadly, less moral, less righteous, we got to turn a corner and turn it fast. And the only way that we do that is together as a community. And I understand, look, guys, some of you might be atheists. Some of you may be agnostic. Some of you might be fucking Satan worshipers. But just understand what comes with that. And I'll tell you this, if there's ever been a time in your life where it'd be good to start praying and establish some type of connection of faith or the Lord, Jesus Christ, I'd say that time is now. Because if you know the saying, there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. Well, here we are, guys. The bullets are fucking flying. So I recommend you start praying and you start acting righteous because this doesn't end well for any of us. Yeah, you folks don't want to get caught in no man's land there. Um, one of the things that I wrote down this week, John Henry, and, and I'm glad that you brought it up um, and, and what you were saying there is that you were talking about in what stage of the game are we in right now? And I wrote down um, for this uh, topic is that we're, we've, we've gone from indoctrination to incorporation, and then that all leads to death. You know, those, those three stages, and we're somewhere in that indoctrination and incorporation part for some of our nation's youth, I believe, and then some of the more unfortunate parts of our society have already moved on to the death part. 
And let, let's give an update on, on some of that. You know what's important mm-hmm. to, to understand right now? Yes. There's no more neutral stance. No. Folks, none of you have the opportunity to be neutral anymore. It's time to pick a fucking side. Period. And right now, this is between good and evil. You can't be in between. You can't. You need to fucking pick a side and you need to start acting the part. And I can only hope and pray that you recommend that, that you make that determination that that side is the side of good, the side of righteousness. Because the alternative is you know what the end is. It's kind of like a life of crime. If you're a drug dealer, right, you're either going to die or go to prison. This doesn't end well for you. Doesn't end well. So it's time to pick a side and pick good, damn it. Pick good. Yeah, that was kind of the point of the end of Scarface there, right, John Henry? You know, when he's floating in a pool of his own blood, you know, in, in, in a fabulous mansion like that after a firefight, you know, and it doesn't always go down that valiantly, right? <laughs> you know, when these guys get off, I mean, I remember in the early days of the internet and uh, when you would go on and just watch all kinds of random videos. And I remember seeing those uh, Mexican drug cartel members being captured by a rival cartel and then being introduced to a chainsaw in not so nice of a way. Oh, it's fucking horrific. That's the the horrifying reality of life and violence, though, when you create that. Like last week, I talked about how you create ripples in life. And when you do that with violence, when violence begets violence, not to get super biblical here on this show, but I mean, we are talking about a mass murder that happened when people were supposed to be celebrating the resurrection of Christ. I mean, this is this is from CBS Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh mass shooting teen invited to party says it was supposed to be a big spring break celebration. Well, why? Why do we take a spring break, John Henry? It's because of our Judeo-Christian values and our culture. And what has that become? What is spring break now? Oh, spring break is a time for the youth in our country, the youth that was also created by our commercial culture. Like just the act of be, just the thing of being a teenager and, and all of the culture that exists in being a teenager and in our youth. Um, it, it has all been devised of sorts by the commercial culture, by our corporatist culture in our country, feeding these kids into a life where they don't have responsibilities, where they don't get run into consequences. In fact, they can't even take they can't even take math courses now without blaming racism on the fact that they can't do fucking math. And we're gonna talk about that too. But I mean, but just just to, Well, here's the other thing that spring break has become. Yeah. Uh Sexual promiscuity. Oh, yeah. Abuse of alcohol and drugs. Deviancy. Right? Of course. So you take something that is supposed to be a religious-based thing, and again, what they've did is they've manipulated that into the exact opposite of just immoral sin over and over. And listen, guys, this isn't a religious podcast. You know that, right? This isn't. It isn't a podcast about the Bible. But the podcast is about current times, current events, and there's some dark shit going on, you know, and when we look at it, we have to relate that because you better recognize that because I'm telling you with zero belief, there is no hope and there's no point to anything. And when people see that there's no point to anything, then it is very easy for them to justify living in an immoral fashion or shooting a man in the fucking head and picking his pockets. When you look at that kid's face that shot him, Do you think he was worried about recourse? 
Do you think he was concerned about that man and who he was, whether he was a pillar of the community? Do you think he cared whether he was a priest? Do you think he gave a fuck if he had kids or grandkids? No, it meant nothing. Nothing. And I promise you, that fucker that shot him, there's no belief system in his life. Nothing. It's all gangbanger bullshit in fucking music videos when they prop up these false idols, these pieces of shit. How many of these fucking rappers have been caught fucking being a pedophile? And, you know, R. Kelly as an example. You know, fucking uh, Takashi 6 9 Guys, they're fucking sex offenders because they perform sexual acts with underage women. This is who is idolized to these communities. Idolized. So when you look at it, do you think that there's any type of recourse or moral compass that comes along with that, where that's what they talk about, that's what they do, yet they're still flaunting millions and millions and millions of dollars and giant fucking mansions and all the jewelry you can imagine and Lamborghinis and fucking Ferraris and all of this? I mean, it's insane. Pop culture has fucking destroyed our souls. But that's been the point the entire time. As number six said, they, they've incorporated it. Well, that's what it is. It reminds me of the movie Dogma, right? Yeah. Remember that movie? Yeah. When you look at how fucking psyched everybody gets about there being no more moral compass, and you look at that excitement, everybody loved the idea of that. That's the world we're living in. Right, but when you look at it, okay. Well, in lieu of you know, was a George Carlin was a pope in that, right? Uh, he was a priest, yeah, or the priest, yeah. right? So you look at his type of behavior. Well, instead, that's Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That's what we look at. That's what we see. You know, everybody's super fucking worried about Will Smith and Jada Pinkett. Will Smith and Jada Pinkett. Yeah, well, she was a nasty piece of shit, and she is now. You know, she wanted a one-sided open relationship and was fucking like a nineteen-year-old dude throwing it in everybody's face. But that's who we prop up. That's who we prop up and go, good for Will Smith for for really being a good husband and protecting her. Meanwhile, she's sucking 40 different dicks. It's fucking disgusting. And that's who we idolize. It's a broken fucking system. It is a broken world, man. It's fucking gross. That was kind of another Kevin Smith reference that you threw out there to clerks. (laughs) He finds out uh, his girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. (laughs) Thirty-seven. <laughs> there you have it. Yeah. So, but um, uh, just to kind of jump into this really, really quick, and just give our listeners an update um on that Pittsburgh mass shooting. Again, this is from uh, CBS uh, Pittsburgh here, and uh, it just says Rihanna Hextall said word of the party got out earlier this month, and she was invited but did not go. Matthew Steffi Ross and Jaden Brown were shot and killed on Sunday in Pittsburgh's East Allegheny neighborhood at a house party. Eight others were injured. Hextall knew Steffi Ross and is still in shock. The quote is, he was a nice person, she said. He just started making music, started rapping. That's just sad. He was always smiling, laughing. Um, Now, police said more than 200 people, many of whom were underage, were packed into the Airbnb when 50 shots were fired inside and then more outside. Right now, There are no suspects or arrests. And this is updated as of yesterday, folks. So um, Hextall said word of the party spread on social media at the start of the month. It cost $5 to get in. Now, I wanted to switch quickly over to this to give this update as well, because it also came out that the police were called to this Airbnb for noise complaints. 
90 minutes before Sunday's mass shooting. Now, police said that on Saturday at 11 p.m., an officer responded to a noise complaint at the address where the party was. The officer asked the male who opened the door where the homeowner was, and another male came downstairs to the ground floor. I want to know who the fuck was the other male, and what did they say to the cops that the cops were like, okay, I'll just leave. Now, and it gets it gets interesting too from here, John Henry. It gets a little suspicious. I don't, I don't want to just point fingers just yet. You know me, but we, we've learned. We've learned over the, over the past few years, I'm sure. Uh, the party on the second floor was reportedly out of view. Now, according to the police, the male was asked to turn the music down, and he did. And then the officer reportedly said if they were called back to the address again, the party would be shut down. Now, they couldn't see anything. All they heard was music, John Henry, these police officers. But hundreds of underage kids upstairs, and they didn't yeah, ask to see any uh, ID so from the, the man video. answering the door or anything? So here's my problem. I, I got a couple problems here. Right on. Uh, I got some issues. Issue number one, if, if you folks have watched the video, which I have, the gentleman recording the video um, identifies that this guy has a gun. So I imagine some type of escalation happened. And that guy was right? a fucking hero, by the way. I wanted to say that before I forgot on this episode, John Henry, because I didn't get to say it when I posted that video. The guy that got people out of there and was warning people yeah. and got them away from danger. Yelling to everybody. Hero. Good for him, yeah. man. Smart. So, you know, situational awareness. That saved his life and probably some of his friends' lives. And that's critical, too. You know, people, this drives me crazy. I talk to my wife about this a lot. Like, when you're in public places, you need to have situational awareness. Yeah. Can't be laying uh, on your back on your cell phone, looking at your bullet no. wounds through your cell no. phone camera. I'm so sick of fucking watching people walk around while looking at their phone, right, and completely unaware of their surroundings. People get hit by cars every day and get killed because of that. Uh, ladies, please, for fuck's sake, put the phone away and pay attention to your surroundings. You know, it's one of the things I remind my wife of and all the women that I know. As an example, if you're coming out of a supermarket, if you're coming out of Walmart, you're coming out, especially in the evening time, right? And let's say your car is about halfway down the lane to the parking lot. You walk in the middle of that fucking road. You do not walk right next to the cars, period. Because somebody could snatch you, pull you in between the cars. It's bad shit. So to the guy that recognized that and saw that. So, all right, going back to, to my point here, he identified that the gun that at least one person had a gun. You're not going to tell me that nobody knows who the fuck did that shooting. You're not going to tell me. Because if he recognized that, and we know now that with this technology and the fact that everybody's filming everything on their fucking phones, I guarantee you there's proof of who that person is. And there's evidence of who that person is. The second part of it is while he's yelling that guy has a gun, okay, most of the people are oblivious to what he's saying. And when you see how fucking packed, how packed that house was before you could hear the shots fired in the back, you know, um, in the background, before he got to the exit of that place, I got to tell you, to think that one person answered the door and one other person came down the stairs, I find that incredibly fucking hard to believe. Incredibly hard to believe. Well, I was also told that um, there were other occupants in a separate airbnb that was attached to that building or under like on a different level of that building too and they left because of the noise and later it was found that there were bullet holes 
where the people would have slept. That literally they they trusted whatever intuition or maybe like we're talking we're talking Whoa. about God this episode, right? Like when people when you're talking about situational awareness, what kind of awareness does it take there as a family, as a father well, to say, hey, I'm gonna get man. my family out of this situation? Cousin, let me tell you this. If you're in a situation that it just doesn't feel right, you fucking leave. Go with your gut, man. You have got to go with your intuition. You have to. You know, for me, number six and I were just talking about, you know, this specifically. And, you know, how many times growing up and throughout our lives have we been in those scenarios, right? Giant house parties, packed concerts, all these things where God forbid if something would have happened, what would that outcome have been for us? You know, and, and as, you know, we've gotten older and I'm not going to say a little bit mature, I'll just say fatter. Yes, um, yes definitely. <laughs> you know, realistically, you know, it, when you look at situations like that, when you get there and you assess that, man, if some shit happened, I couldn't make it to an exit, then leave, leave. It's not worth being there. It's not worth your life. So pay attention. You know, I've told you guys before, I always post shit online, just says pay attention. And I post something, whether it's a relevant point to something's going on in the world or maybe a good meme or something inspirational. But guys, pay the fuck attention to your surroundings, you know, and, and let your kids know that, you know, really let your kids know that. Like, hey, listen, you know, going to an illegal party, it's not a great idea. Now, look, I'm a hypocrite. I've been to fucking 100 of them when I'm a kid. But now that I think of it, now I look at, you know, the high propensity of violence and fights and you know, back in my hometown, um, you know, there was a just a fucking house party, man. And there ended up being a fight over a girl. And they fucking beat this kid up and left him in the street and he died. And the family and friends would march through the streets because they didn't prosecute anybody. You know, nobody got in trouble for that fucking murder. Like, I think about how many times I've been at a house party where a fight broke out. It's a lot. A lot. Um uh, I'm going to ask number six not to comment on that. <laughs> yeah, there's um. Mm. <laughs> so we'll leave that. Um, few fun ones. There. Yeah, guys, uh, pay attention, man. Open your fucking eyes up. Teach your kids to be just again situationally aware. It is incredibly fucking important now more than ever. Well, and also, I mean, not just the awareness, but fucking doing something about it. Like you said, I mean, just scrolling down here. Um, I'm going to get to this part of from Yahoo News. Uh, this is also uh, brought over from Pittsburgh's WPXI, I believe. Pittsburgh Police Chief provides update on mass shooting investigation. This is from Rick Earl. I, I love I love this article, John Henry, because it points out something that uh, we've been talking about. Police Chief Scott Schubert appears at a news conference this morning with the U.S. Attorney for the Western District of Pennsylvania and the special agent in charge of the Bureau of alcohol, tobacco, and firearms to address juvenile gun violence. Here comes the state's solution to this problem. Why wouldn't it? And also, of course, the city launched a joint initiative, you know, that, that type of corporatist type of thing happening with the ATF last year to track the origin of all guns found on juveniles. The results of the study confirmed what most in law enforcement had suspected. Half the guns were stolen, either from homes or cars. So, again, not law-abiding citizens, you know, 
things. 13% were from straw purchases, which are fucking illegal, but a lot of good that does, right? Where someone else purchased a gun and 9% were privately made, it says, or so-called ghost guns. 9%, that's, 9% seems high for ghost horseship. guns. Not in the whole Total ghost horseship. gun market, John Henry, but Total never horseship. seen one. Don't know where to get Total one. Total fucking horseshit. Let me just say that I have uh, a lot of people in my lives that are pro-Second Amendment and firearm owners. And I mean a fucking lot. I have never met a friend in my life that has a ghost gun. And I'm not just saying that. But genuinely, this is a crock of shit to say that 9% are manufactured firearms. Guys, a, a firearm is a tool. You have to be proficient and mechanically to assemble a firearm. So these people aren't just whipping up fucking ghost guns in their dining room in their spare fucking time. It's not happening. It's a crock of shit. And what their reference is, is, the, is to the ability to purchase what's called an 80% lower. Now, this only accounts for like an AR-type rifle, okay, where you can get a jig and drill the holes, and because it's not a complete lower, right, um, then technically that's a ghost gun because it doesn't have to be a registered or serial number bearing firearm. Um, you, but you have to buy everything else completely separate. You have to be able to drill these holes properly for everything to line up, right? So I, I'm telling you, I'm just calling bullshit to say that 9% of these were manufactured ghost guns. Just it's horseshit. Yeah, and I'm not saying they don't exist, but I'm just telling you that it ain't fucking nine percent. Well, these are these might be some CDC type numbers too, John Henry. Where there's a lot of uh, different methods. Uh, I'm not going to go into the specifics here on the show because I don't want anybody really trying this shit. But I mean, if people can improvise um, projectile devices, right? Um, there are several ways that one could, you know, make a sort of contraption that will fire a projectile. So maybe they're including all of that to bump up that number. But yeah, it's a little puffery there, maybe. Um, but it says going on in the article, it says juvenile gun crime being so prevalent, we wanted to determine where these young people were obtaining their firearms, said Matthew uh, Verisco, special agent in charge of the ATF, the ATF that should be fucking abolished. But authorities at the news conference urged legal gun owners to take extra steps to make sure their weapons are secured. It says, I cannot express how important responsible gun ownership is, and we're calling on the public to make sure that they utilize common sense to secure their firearms in their homes and not to secure them in vehicles, said Veresco. Now, the U.S. attorney uh, for the Western District of PA, me, Cindy uh, Chung, me, echoed that I, plea for Can help. I jump in there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I totally agree with this. Um, you know, because most of them are stolen. Let me tell you the number one way you get a firearm stolen. To you fucking dipshits out there. Okay, I'm just going to give you a little story. Buddy of mine buys a truck, right? And he goes, yeah, man, thinking about putting an NRA sticker on my truck. And I go, don't you fucking dare. And he's like, what? He's like, but I support him. I go, so do I. But you will never see a fucking NRA sticker on my vehicle. He's like, well, what do you mean? Why? I said, you want your windows smashed and your truck rifled through? He's like, what are you talking about? I go, that's the number one way a criminal identifies which vehicle to break into if they want to steal shit is look for the fucking stickers. So if you have your uh, gun family stickers, if you have a Glock sticker, if you have a Smith & Wesson sticker, or if you have an NRA sticker, 
People are going to identify your vehicle, smash your fucking windows in, and if you carry a firearm in there, it is as good as gone. So, legal gun owners, use your fucking brains, okay? I get it. You want to support the NRA? By all means, please do that. But do not put fucking stickers on your vehicles, because that's the number one way that firearms get stolen. Back to you, sir. Thank you, John Henry. Sorry, no, I just I mean, had to throw a PSA out it, there. It makes perfect sense. And and for all of you that are thinking right now, well, if if I were smart, you know, if, if the criminals were smart, they'd see that sticker and they'd know that there's a you know a gun owner that they're fucking with. But they're 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 they're, yeah, they're criminals because they're stupid. While they were sitting in their car, <laughs> they watched the gun owner walk into fucking Walmart, and the moment that he was out of sight, they smashed a window. Yep, <laughs> that's what happened. Don't put fucking gun stickers on your cars, you bunch of idiots. Yep. Never underestimate, uh, underestimate your enemy. That, that's, a, that's an old adage. But um, uh, the reason why I wanted to read through this, John Henry, though, is that just to get to this part, um, it says Chief Scott Schubert went one step further calling on anyone who knows a juvenile carrying a gun to come forward immediately. Now, I don't like that because, well, there should be responsible juvenile gun, like, ownership and training in this country shouldn't there like shouldn't juveniles uh, that, that they're referencing here shouldn't those people don't they have rights to defend themselves too and, and didn't it wasn't there a bunch of fucking juvenile soldiers to help found this fucking country too like didn't we ask uh, uh, people in the civil war as well to defend uh, their rights and property uh, to be a part of all that to carry guns i mean we, we just we have different I, I know cultural standards these days for this kind of shit but I think the the best thing that young people could do really when it involves guns and gun violence is to probably be more, you know, familiar with them and <laughs> more well-trained in them. Does that sort of prevents things if you look at the overall numbers of trained gun owners versus Listen, there's criminals? There's a huge segment of juveniles that use firearms. Yeah. And uh, I was one of them. And as a fucking kid, I went to a hunter safety course. Mm-hmm. So when you look at all the kids that are taught to respect that thing, understand how dangerous it is, what can happen with that, understand gun safety, that's huge. These aren't the kids doing this shit. They're not the kids that were raised around firearms on a farm or in a country and, you know, the countryside and they were taught how to handle a weapon and how dangerous it is and how to be careful and, and hold it the right way when you're walking. And even if it's unloaded, you don't point it at anything. What it is, is you have these kids in these communities where, you know, firearms are not legally owned, but the adults always have guns, right? They see the shootings, especially in, you know, when you look at, you know, communities in inner cities. So you combine that with the violence on TV, the glorification of violence, and then the fact that it's also video games. I'm a firm believer in that. That what that does is it basically, you know, it takes these kids and it really like calluses them against understanding really what the the result of violence is, because when they're playing Call of Duty or another shooting game or playing, um, what the hell's the other one where they steal the cars and all that shit? Oh, Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto, yeah. and you're like you're beating up hookers and shooting people in the fucking head. Like you have to understand that when you have kids that play these games. There's going to be a point where they've killed 10,000 people in these video games. And there has been studies shown that kids that play those first-person shooter games, well, you give them a real firearm in a training facility, they're deadly fucking accurate. 
So when they get used to that, and they get used to that violence for entertainment, then that directly translates into real life, where they're comfortable with that. And the perfect example is the video we just talked about in Atlanta. It, it, you know, these are people that are not, they're not afraid of violence or death. None of that. It's just normal life for them. And it's fucking bad, man. I've told you guys about when I bought the Doom video game. You know, I was like, okay, cool. Well, I don't ever play video games. Uh, what's the highest rated game I can get? And it was Doom and I bought it and it was fucking horrific. I mean, pentagrams, everything was super satanic. The soundtrack was cool. But outside of that, like the moaning and the death and the darkness and chainsawing people to part and body fucking parts flying. Like that's what these kids that are fucking six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old are, are sitting there staring at for hours on end while mom and dad are fucking off looking at Instagram or doing whatever the hell they're doing. I mean, we, we got to get away from that shit. So parents, it all starts with the parenting. It's bad stuff. Well, and, and speaking of parenting here, check out the solution as offered here by Chief Scott Schubert. He quotes, uh, or to quote him, uh, people need to step forward. People need to let us know if somebody has a gun, because a lot of people do. A lot of people know people that are carrying, whether it's friends, whether it's classmates, whether it's family members. So turn in everybody, folks. I'm adding to that. Uh, we we got to get those guns out of their hands because hey, it's eventually. Chief Schubert, oh, yeah, <laughs> you're a fucking idiot. Oh, it gets better. It gets you better. You would think <laughs> it says eventually, right, but I just want to talk how stupid he is now, and then we can get to the point where he's dumber momentarily oh, yes. when you finish. I guarantee you, there's 20 people that know who shot those fucking kids at that party. But snitching is wrong. So if you think, if you've earned the ability to get elected as police chief and to get to that fucking point, you would know in these communities, specifically inner city communities, they look at snitching as being wrong. You can get killed for telling on somebody. So this is your fucking solution. This is your genius solution right now. You're an idiot. Sir, I'm going to give it back to you to please tell people why he's even dumber than I'm explaining that he is. This, this is the kicker, because he says, we got to get those guns out of their hands because it's eventually going to turn into somebody getting shot and killed, said Schubert. If you have a gun in existence, right? Wow, that's Somebody's profound. eventually going to use it to, to kill somebody. Wow. <laughs> it's the dumbest Boy. fucking gun ownership argument ever. Well, if there's wow. a gun in existence... You know, it's just going to eventually be used to shoot, kill somebody. Could possibly, yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> every gun at least kills one person. Yeah. What a fucking idiot. <laughs> what would the numbers Chief, even be? Like, guns would just be winning, because there's more fucking guns in this country than people, right? So, <laughs> guns would just be, be running dead. shit. <laughs> every, yeah. Yeah, it'd be like a cartoon of just guns walking around, like, we got them. Like what a fucking moron! That's a really good cartoon idea. We need we need to get in touch with some animators out there and uh, start providing them material. We we could write for a show like that, you know, where the guns just take over and the people yeah. are like um, the tools. Chief, <laughs> I'm going to throw this out here. Um, a firearm is a tool, no different than a hammer yeah. or, or a wrench. And you could fuck somebody uh, out with a hammer. An, yeah, well, that's what I'm getting there. <laughs> that is an inanimate object. Okay, doesn't have a mind of its own. It, it doesn't. One of that gun's manufactured. They don't. You know, it doesn't come with a full disclosure that says, you know, from Smith and Wesson. Please expect this to kill at least one person. Okay, uh, it's culture. 
It's morals. It's community. It is parenting. It is media. It is Hollywood. That's where you get this result. That's how this fucking happens. That these kids think that it's appropriate to carry firearms and also have a willingness to do what they did. I mean, think about how fortunate, how fortunate of an outcome took place in Pittsburgh. And please, please, you know, Lord, I pray for the the kids who were killed, family, friends, and everybody that was involved, right? And everybody that witnessed it. I, I pray for you. My heart goes out to you. But understand that when you look at this person firing into this crowd, the fact that only two people were kid, killed is, is unbelievable. Unreal. You know, there could have been 30 people killed. And it's just that, that amount of carelessness when somebody takes that step to pull that trigger the first time and says, fuck it, I'm going for it, right? With no thoughts of what is going to happen there. It's just terrible, and and that's a result of a lifetime of the wrong shit happening to somebody for them to make that decision to go ahead. There's a reason that every gun doesn't kill somebody, right? Because people, they 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 never deem that appropriate. Now, if it's in a self-defense situation where somebody kicks in your door and has guns and you shoot them, by all means, do it, because I would too. Protect your family. Do it legally, do it the right way, have the ability to do that. But outside of it, things like this example was not somebody protecting their fucking family, right? Same thing with the asshole in the New York subway system. Same thing with those motherfuckers in California that shot all the people coming out of the nightclub, right? Just bad shit. It's bad shit, man. It's fucking, it's community, it's culture, it's how people are raised. That's the problem right now. They're raised on violence. It's a constant diet of violence. Well, to kind of touch base on uh, my point about the incorporation aspect or stage of this, John Henry, um, this, this quote from Schubert, after this past tragic shooting, we had more people putting things on social media than calling the police. That's a problem, said the chief. <laughs> and I agree, but here, here's a different aspect of that problem you may not realize, that more people have faith, John Henry, in this country in fucking social media, more people have faith that some type of justice is going to come through Facebook or TikTok <laughs> than their local police department. And when you read the quotes from this police chief, John Henry, I mean, shit, us in the Liberty community, we got something in common with these cats in the inner cities, I guess, because we've lost faith in a lot of them too, especially over COVID especially over arresting people like Arthur Pulowski in Canada, especially over shutting people down like Ian Smith in New Jersey. You know, it's just all of the bullshit that we've watched across the country for the past several years. And then let's switch gears into this bullshit that we've watched over the past several years, John Henry. This is from the Daily Mail. The title is Black Lives Matter is blamed for 32% spike in murders of African-Americans in wake of George Floyd's killing, as experts claim protests scared off cops and worsened crime spiral. Folks, I'm going to read the same thing number six just read. I'm going to repeat him verbatim. Okay? This is worth saying two times. Okay, everybody ready? Put your phone down. Stop fucking diddling yourself and listen to what I'm going to say to you. Are you ready? Black Lives Matters 
is blamed for a 32% spike in murders of African Americans in the wake of George Floyd's killing as experts claim protests scared off cops and worsened crime spiral. Did you hear me? Do we need to read this a third fucking time? So going back to these democratic cities, these hellholes, the ones that promoted this, do you think that those rates went up higher? And oh, I don't know. What do you think? Baltimore, Seattle, Chicago, New York City, Atlanta, which we've talked about at length today. Well, you better fucking believe it. So all of these anti-police assholes need to get the fuck out of office because this is our result, guys. An organization that has the audacity to call themselves Black Lives Matter is 100% a contributing factor to an increase in the deaths of black folks. And that is not fucking okay. That is not okay. Not okay. So all of you that put your black square up and you, um, you went ahead and contributed to the BLM leaders fucking multi-million dollar real estate purchases... This is your fucking result right here. So be careful next time that you're going to go ahead and support the cause because you think that's the right thing to do. Do your fucking due diligence. Ask yourself, is this really something I'm behind? Is it? It's fucking unbelievable, man. Sorry, but this just, it fucking makes me psychotic. The hypocrisy, the fucking hypocrisy, hypocrisy. Do you know what paid for those fucking mansions? These African-Americans fucking blood paid for those mansions. It is horrific what they've done. Horrific. People just need to start recognizing, uh, I guess, the flow. Uh, Indoctrination, incorporation, death. And let's talk about it. This is from Janet Fisher from the Daily Mail. Um, The number of black Americans murdered in 2020 jumped by 32%, with an expert blaming BLM protests for the huge spike in scaring off cops. Killing across racial demographic have swelled by 30% between 2019 and 2020, the largest increase since 1905. But blacks have borne the larger impact of that deadly trend, according to the FBI's Uniform Crime Report. In 2020, 9,941 African Americans met their death at the hand of another human being, compared to 7,484 the year before, an increase of 2,457 murders. Murders of whites, because don't forget, folks listening out there, that there are plenty of white people that live in these democratic cities too. And murders of whites jumped up 21% from 2019 to 2020. So from... uh, it's 5,787 to 7,043. And Hannah Mayer from the think tank, the Manhattan Institute, says widespread defund the police messaging further worsened the murder rate among black people. She believes that the widespread ideology combined with the real cuts to multiple police departments prompted cops to withdraw from policing areas with high crime where lives could have potentially been saved. Mayor also said that the COVID pandemic could not be blamed for the spike and attributed it directly to the crime wave that followed in the wake of Floyd's death. Now, they show some charts here from those of you that are uh, not watching. 
Uh, but for those of you on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brideon now, um, this goes over Black Lives Matter being blamed for the huge spike. It shows the murder totals there. Now, underneath it says, in the year that the pandemic began, 7,043 white people were murdered, but black deaths still outpace white deaths by nearly 3,000 that year. Now, considering that whites make up 76% of the U.S. population, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, compared to the 13% black population, the trend is even more troubling. Broken down over the 50 states, the data shows that those areas with the lowest black populations like Montana and South Dakota, I'm sorry, Dakota, saw the number of murders climb more than 80%, according to FBI stats. Now, Pennsylvania where that Pittsburgh shooting happened, uh, Illinois, like you mentioned, Chicago, of course, uh, Ohio, and California, where that other horrible shooting that you mentioned, John Henry, uh, murder rates have all jumped at least 36% between 2019 and 2020. New York homicides jumped up 47%. Wow. Now, what all of those cities, what all of those places have in common? What do they all have in common when it comes to their governance there? Hmm, I wonder. Now, this trend has been consistent over the years. In the 10-year period between 2010 and 2019, there were 5,954 whites killed each year on average and 16% fewer than the number of black victims. But there were an average of 6,927 black African-Americans were killed each year during that decade, roughly 1,000 more blacks each year. So in total, about 43% more blacks were killed than whites over that 10-year time span. But it's gotten worse. And I wonder why it's gotten worse. Well, here's, here's one of the reasons why. Here, here's this lovely photo of the officer kneeling on George Floyd. And if you look in the eyes and you look at the foam around the mouth, um, is he in the throes of a cardiac arrest due to ingesting some uh, fentanyl? Or uh, was this murder? Um, who knows? Uh, because I don't think we could even trust uh, in our in our legal system and tell us what's 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 really happening there. What really happened there? Uh, but uh, Hannah Meyer, the director of policing and public safety at the Conservative Manhattan Institute, who worked in the NYPD's intelligence bureau for five years, believes that the bloody trend was spurred on by Black Lives Matter protests that began after the deaths of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, in 2014, and Freddie Gray in Baltimore, Maryland, at the hands of police. Again, all of these cities democratically run. But the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota, by Officer Derek Chauvin, it says in the article, accelerated the problem, she said. Now, I'm not going to spend too much more time on this one, John Henry, because I wanted to switch over to another coincidence, if you will. Um... That the Soros-funded circuit attorney, Kim Gardner, has walked, facing, of course, no consequences after she admits to wrongdoing in the Greetings case. Records show 62 acts of misconduct. This is from the Gateway Pundit, John Henry. This is from Jim Hoft. Um, the reason I wanted to bring this up is, is that not only is that the the Democratic mayors and governors and other things that contribute to these overall crime issues that we're experiencing um, in cities around the U.S., but also it's those Soros-funded district attorneys. Now, Tucker Carlson's talked about this quite frequently uh, recently, too, uh, but let, let's, let's go on to see what the article has to say. 
It says it's going to be another rough day for crooked Soros-funded St. Louis circuit attorney Kim Gardner in St. Louis, another one of those urban areas where crime and murder is out of fucking control. Um, the Missouri Supreme Court ruled on Friday that far left, uh, no, no coincidences there, right? St. Louis circuit attorney Kimberly Gardner must turn over communications with Soros operatives. Oh, that's going to be interesting. I wonder if we'll get our hands on some of that. And Missouri political insiders related to her false case against former Missouri governor, Eric Greitens. Now, former Governor Eric Greitens posted this tweet uh, from that afternoon saying, breaking, Missouri uh, Supreme Court orders Soros-funded prosecutor Kim Gardner to turn over communications with George Soros and Missouri political insiders related to her false case against Eric Greitens. Love it. But now it says, a Missouri appeals court upheld a previous judge's ruling in January against Soros-funded St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner. The court unanimously ruled Kim Gardner failed to file a timely response to reporter John Solomon. Awesome. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar with John Solomon from Just the News, uh, John Solomon has been one of the guys that has been fucking on it whenever it comes to the Russiagate bullshit. Um, the Russiagate conspiracy and then the the following uh, uh, impeachment of Donald Trump, John Solomon was on that shit and about everything that's been going on in the Ukraine. So John Solomon and the Epic Times both, those those two of the best resources I've found for those. Now, a court uh, last year found that Kim Gardner engaged in 62 acts of misconduct and 79 false representations in her prosecution of Eric Reitens. Now, Kim Gardner already faces a misconduct probe, too, for illicit conduct into her plot to take down popular Missouri Governor Eric Greitens. Now, on Monday, the Missouri Office of Disciplinary Counsel ruled that Gardner will face no disciplinary action for her lawlessness that resulted in the removal of popular Missouri Governor Eric Greitens. They really like adding that in this article. But uh, I'm going to end that uh, little part there. Uh, I don't know if you have anything to add on that, John Henry, of just George Soros just fucking with our legal system some more and this being further proof of it. And also there being no consequences for the people that do so because of our political system. But I think that kind of summarizes Because he owns half of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he funds and owns minimum half, really more. When we see all the rhinos, I mean, you know, we'll go back to the red string. We talk about so much on the show. You know, the guys, the, the, the amount of money that he contributes to the wrong shit, of course there's no recourse for him. The guy is the real life Dr. Evil. Guys, he's a real life evil fucking villain. He wants to see destruction, death, people starve to death, depopulation. The guy's a fucking, he's a demon from the pits of hell. Which, mind you, CERN is trying to open up to get more here. Yes. <laughs> but that's what I think happened. At some point, planets aligned. I don't know if that fucker came in during the Aztec Empire or the, um, the Egyptians or what happened. Uh, but I, I genuinely believe his fucking decrepit, just disgusting evil hands just crept out from the fucking core of the earth and came from the pits of hell. Fuck you, George Soros. That is a good comparison. It kind of reminds me, uh, John Henry, and for those of you listening out there, um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the apocalypse narrative out of the uh, X-Men comic books or series. Um, yeah, George Soros is a lot like apocalypse. Um, so, But moving on, let, let's talk about what's being done about it. Um, we're going to move into this segment now um, that I'm going to title, you know, Ron DeSantis versus everybody, because uh, the Florida GOP, too, standing up here, their DA, 
um, who apparently, this is from the Daily Mail, who has rejected woke policies and takes hardline on criminals, has been able to slash murders by 30% and shootings by 17% in a fucking year. Now, that's as soft-touch dem-led cities, what we were just talking about, including LA, of course, uh, see violence rocket. Now, it says here, a Florida GOP prosecutor's hardline stance on crime has seen murder rates plunge in a year while offenses continue to spiral in woke cities. Melissa Nelson, a state attorney who prosecutes cases in and around Jacksonville, has been credited with a 30% drop in murder rates a seven and 17% drop in shootings. Now, the DailyMail.com has contacted Nelson's office for further details on the data. The prosecutor's tactics have included seeking out felons, filmed flaunting weapons illegally on social media videos, and hitting them with charges. So, this is the question that I was going to ask you, John Henry. Now, I like the fact that we're a little bit safer here um, with getting uh, people that could commit violent crimes you know, away from, I guess, uh, weapons for oh so long. But judging from the system and the way that it works and the sort of the, the unending turnstile that, that, that happens and the recidivism that is created by our system here, um, with them going after people waving guns around in music videos, and I even highlighted down here, um, I think, because I just reacted to that. And then I'll scroll back up so we can go through some of these uh, fun little charts. But um, it, it says that... Uh, an advocate for crime gun intelligence, this Nelson, uh, which it states that includes catching shooters before they commit more crimes. So this is like a minority report type of shit. Uh, ad- additional strategies in her pursuit to reduce crime include pursue firearm charges in connection with guns presented in music videos. Now, a music video to me, I mean, that, that's a act of free speech. So you, you got two uh, very important rights there that are being uh, uh, used. Uh, you, you have your right to speak uh, and, and also represent in art, uh, yourself in art, but then also you, you should have a, a unalienable right to carry a firearm in this country, I believe. Uh, so I don't know if I entirely side with that, uh, along with the uh, seeking known violent criminals. So basically just constant espionage and spying on people that have maybe paid their just dues to society, who knows, um, or, or just a gateway to spying on all of us like they usually do, John Henry, but uh, especially gang members and investigate those wrongly convicted and get innocent people out of prison because it just, uh, didn't they fucking try this with the drug war too? Like it just, it just seems to me like, okay, they may have some evidence that this stuff works, but also can the, can the cure be worse than the disease? Just as we've seen with so much that government has offered us. Um, now it, it says that also Nelson is going after stiffer sentences. So we're looking into, uh, the greater, uh, prison system for those convicted of gun crimes. Now, also you have to highlight what is and defined a gun crime. Too, because well, that could always change with just an executive order tomorrow with this administration, right? And crack down hard on gang members. So, um, I just I wanted to point out too, and just that we've to prove a point that we've been trying to make here. Um, here are several charts about crime in Los Angeles going up, about shooting victims, about rape, um, about total violent crimes. Um, but now, same with New York City. Um, it talks about felony assaults, murder, shooting victims, rape, robbery, overall crime, Chicago, 
I mean, you just, it just all of these cities, it's disgusting. And then they, they included a little video of Beetlejuice herself there, uh, Lori Lightfoot, about why she would run again amid the crime spike that's happening. But uh, so much. She literally looks like the current state of Chicago. Yes. Yes. Like absolute hell. Like an absolute like it's hell. It's unbelievable. Yes. She completely embodies her city. Like when you look at her ill fitting suit, eye sunken in her head, fucked up hair, looks like shit. Like that's what it is. She, that, that is the full embodiment of Chicago. My apologies. Yeah. Go ahead, hey, sir. It's, it's <laughs> what happens when you hit the adrenochrome super hard, I guess. I mean, that's just, it takes its, it's like the Sith lightning. It takes its toll on your physical uh, manifestations. But um, I, I just wanted to bring this all up because uh, you know, these these tactics that are being used um, by the Florida GOP and Miss Nelson here, um, I, I don't necessarily know if we want these sort of solutions because, I mean, there, there's also other alternatives. And I wanted to attach this, and this is going back and sort of full circle to the Pittsburgh mass shooting once more. But uh, this is from uh, CBS News Pittsburgh once again. The uh, Pittsburgh mass shooting South Pittsburgh peacemakers step up in time of need. This is from Jessica Gway. Now, it says here, in the wake of mass shooting at a packed party on Pittsburgh's north side, efforts to prevent shootings are amping up more than ever before. The South Pittsburgh peacemakers with the South, South Pittsburgh Coalition for Peace are even more motivated to stop people from pulling the trigger. The peacemakers are trained violence interrupters and outreach workers. Now, I'm not saying, John Henry, that these are the types of folks that should be replacing the police because we've, we've had that offered to us, right, by Black Lives Matter and other leftist organizations and progressives that we're just going to send out social workers and shit like that. And we saw that one um, video uh, that happened in New York State, I believe, of the young social working team trying to run up on a, a, a very large gentleman that handled them like it was like a fucking side-scrolling video say, game for Sega Genesis. Oh, he got knocked the fuck oh, out. Oh, yeah, they were flying the across the screen like the Ninja Turtles arcade dude. game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That works real nice. Yeah, but I do... I, but again, it also greenlights violence. It greenlights crime. Yes. Right? Do you think anybody's going to take those people serious? No. Fuck no. It's going to get worse and worse and worse progressively. It never ends. It, it does. It, it is kind of uplifting, though, to see in this instance in the city of Pittsburgh that there are groups that are trying to reach out to their community, though. Um, it says that they've formulated two teams, two outreach teams that go to different directions as far as peace walks. And they've also attempted to make themselves more visible on the streets. So they know what uh, so the community knows what they're doing. And also that uh, resources can be provided to them to mediate any type of issues. Um, but it's, it says that the, their goal uh, from Reverend Smith here, uh, that was a quote that I sort of paraphrase, um, is that they're, they're trying to get rid of this youth violence. So I at least like seeing people in their community, like the reverends there and other people just you know, stepping up and getting involved in their community too. Because uh, like you mentioned before, John Henry, that, that's really the way that you change it. You change it through family. You change it. And when, when you do that, when you have that sort of inner uh, respect given to you amongst your family and that's shared amongst your community and, you know, in a church setting or what, whatever type of setting um, where you would have a collective or community, that's how you create those greater positive ripples too. So, but let's talk about a man that's creating some uh, positive ripples here. Um, also in kids' lives, uh, saving them from CRT, critical race theory, 
in their fucking textbooks about math, John Henry. So this from the Daily Mail um, revealed the questions in Florida's 54 banned school math textbooks that have references to critical race theory. And one example shows a graph which measures racial prejudice. This is going to be fun. We love going through stuff like this. This one's from uh, uh, Ronnie Ray's. Uh, The Florida Department of Education released four examples of banned material from the 54 math textbooks it rejected from its curriculum on Thursday, including one that shows a bar graph measuring racial prejudice. The state DOE had garnered criticism for tossing out 41% of the 132 math textbooks submitted for the next school year last week without listing the rejected books more than half of which the agency said referenced critical race theory. Wow, 41% and more than half of them had critical race theory bullshit worked into them. Talk about an onslaught. Now, when you talked about this earlier too, John Henry, I forgot to mention, and this is something that um, you know people brought up to me, uh, particularly a gentleman from the, the, uh, the Epoch Times, uh, Josh Matthew, um, he, he has brought up this. It's called a thesis antithesis synthesis. So when a, another civilization wants to overtake uh, another uh, a civilization, uh, it, it can offer uh, a way to sort of present an antithesis to what the common um, moral, I guess, moral standing is among those people. Uh, so by offering that opposite of the of of that thing, you see that of course you see those parallels, John Henry, in Satan, but then you also see them in communism. Whenever communism wants to take over a country, this is why a lot of people attribute this sort of stuff to uh, uh, the cultural Marxism, if you will, this uh, CRT uh, training, and it definitely has its roots in that. I think it ultimately leads to more of a corporatism in a way, and uh, we'll talk about that too uh, in, in the next couple articles. But what I wanted to say is, is that when we are presented with the opposite of math, which is this type of dogmatic Marxist bullshit, um, when something is supposed to be objective like math and they incorporate all this subjective garbage, this gobbledygook, John Henry, um, you're being, you're being stripped and robbed of the truth. You're, you're normally living with the truth and then somebody has switched it out for untruth now. And so much of that could be attributed to Satan. So much of it could be contributed to communism. But just like if you wanted to look at it this way, it's just if you're sailing a ship, someone has just steered you in the wrong fucking direction and you're about to go over the falls with this. And Ron DeSantis seems to be one of the very few people in this country stepping up to try and prevent it with with uh, bills and everything to to try and stop this garbage. But let's read on. Of the lessons considered unacceptable in the state was the use of bar graphs that measured levels of racial prejudice based on age and political identity. So introducing identity politics into mathematics, John Henry, and asked students to solve equations based on the findings. So that indoctrination part of this flow that we've been going over with you folks on this podcast so far, the graphs which extrapolated data from the Project Implicit Discrimination website show that 65 and older and who lean towards the conservative end of the political spectrum have the most racial bias. So here's what they do. 
this is this is the, this is the Hegelian dialectic sort of here too, is that they start with the outcome they want. They want people to hate old conservative people, people that have the old timey values, right? You want to destroy the old values of the country. You want to blame the old older generation for all the world's woes and and all everything that they believe in, their moral compass, their moral standings, their moral principles. So in order to do that, you have to present to them the opposite of such, something that is the antithesis. So then to reach the synthesis, which becomes uh, the the servitude, the serfdom, if you will. Uh, I, if you want to refer to these future people as subjects, that, that's very fitting. We're, we're getting back to a, a sort of a neo-feudalism. <laughs> uh, but it says here, uh, and this is fun, this is on the visual part of the podcast, so for those of you watching, you can see this, but John Henry, check this out. It says, application exercises, the bar graph shows the differences among age groups on the implicit association test. So this is kind of like the test that we talked about last week, too, with Harari uh, that tells you about how gay you are. Uh, this fun test tells you about how racist you are. Now, so it says that measures levels of racial prejudice. Higher scores indicate stronger bias. And now it goes over here too, uh, down here, John Henry, adding and subtracting polynomials. And in it says, what me, racist? More than 2 million people have tested their racial prejudice using an online version. Here we go again, right? This is the incorporation part. An online version of the implicit association test brought to you by Pfizer. <laughs> most groups average scores uh, fall between slight and moderate bias so most groups are okay but the differences among groups by age and by political identification are intriguing in this section's exercise set exercises 103 and 104 you will be working with models that measure bias now it includes some uh some equations here that i can't fucking understand i'm not even going to try and uh, even describe but it says in each model, S represents the score on the implicit association test. Ah, oh, man. And lesson objectives. Love this. Lesson objective, content objective. Students identify numbers from one, of five, uh, one to five in sequence, understanding that each successive number name is refer uh, referring to an amount that is one larger. Language objectives. Students identify the next successive number to five when counting by stating the number to cultivate conversation and to optimize output. ELs will participate in MLR8 discussion supports. The SEL objective is students build proficiency with social awareness as they practice with emphasizing with classmates. So yeah, get you to repeat it, the mockingbird part of it, if you will, right? Let's let's get them all to normalize this. And this is from the SEL, social and emotional learning, building student agency. Really? Are they really building agency or removing agency? Every, every objective, everything that they say that they are doing, they are actually resulting in the opposite of which, which you pretty much have to attribute rather to stupidity or, or malice. I'm thinking malice on this one. Because if you know those fucking school boards, if you know the uh, the teachers unions these days, whew, yeah, there's some malicious fuckers in this. Uh, this unit introduces students to the feature of the program. This feature is designed to build student agency by focusing students' social 
and emotional learning, specifically the five competencies that make up the framework established by, and who the fuck are these people? The Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning, or C-A-S-E-L, Castle. The five, com- the, the five competencies of the collaborative for academic, social, and emotional learning. Wow, that's a lot of jargon. That's a lot of bullshit. Pretty much hiding something that's going to groom your kids into being a bunch of fucking racists. <laughs> it's going to result in the exact opposite, folks. It's going to result in more tootsies and hutus. It's more racial division. It's more, it's more fracturing uh, amongst the population. It's taking the great melting pot, our strength, and breaking it apart into many pieces. It, it's an old Sun Tzu tactic. Folks, when are we going to wake up to this? Well, it looks like that uh, Ron DeSantis has at least woke, uh, woken up to it. Um, now, it says the department said in a statement last week that 54 books were banned because they were not aligned with Florida standards or included prohibited topics and unsolicited strategies. Yeah, like putting in CRT theory. It says reasons for rejecting textbooks included references to critical race theory, inclusions of common core, and the unsolicited addition of social-emotional learning, or SEL, in mathematics. The department added, noting that all three learning practices are banned in the state. Wow. Now, the number, the highest number of books rejected, and this is going to shock you, and I'm kidding, the highest number of books rejected were for grade levels K through 5. The youngest and most vulnerable brains in existence in human beings. The kids that are in kindergarten through 5th grade were an alarming 71% were not appropriate aligned with Florida standards or included prohibited topics and unsolicited strategy, uh, strategies. Yes, they are putting this shit into the hands of small children. Just like with the sexual grooming stuff, they're doing it too with math and with CRT. Now, Florida governor, it says in the, in the article here, as we wrap this one up, Florida governor uh, Ron DeSantis had banned CRT as a component in Florida schools, claiming it promotes hatred among students and makes individuals feel guilty for racism of the past. In quotes, it says, it seems that some publishers attempted to slap a coat of paint on an old house built on the foundation of common core and, here's that word, indoctrinating concepts like race essentialism, especially and bizarrely for elementary school students, he said of the rejected books. In quotes, I'm grateful that Commissioner of Education Cochran and his team at the department have conducted such a thorough vetting of these textbooks to ensure they comply with the law. When it comes to education, other states continue to follow Florida's lead as we continue to reinforce parents' rights by focusing on providing their children with a world-class education without the fear of indoctrination or exposure to dangerous and divisive concepts in our classroom, uh, Cochran added. So now let's move on to other shit. And I love John Henry. I love what they did with this photo here on Not the Bee. Not the Bee has become one of my favorites. Um, this is uh, titled DeSantis Threatens to Hold Twitter Board Accountable for Breaching Their Fiduciary Duty in Adopting Poison Pill, like we talked about last week, John Henry, to block Musk takeover. 
Now it says, uh, this is from Harris uh, Rigby, Florida's Governor DeSantis does it again. Watch this video of Ronnie D explaining how he's going to use all of his possible leverage to make sure that Twitter doesn't tank the company in the effort to stifle Elon Musk's hostile takeover. Now, it says that um, from the recount here on Twitter, Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, Republican of Florida, threatens Twitter after an activated poison pill plan to prevent Elon Musk's acquisition. We're going we're gonna be looking at ways the state of Florida potentially can be holding these Twitter board of directors accountable for breaching their fiduciary duty. Wow. And then here we go. It drops the sunglasses on them too. I love that for you you watching, you're all able to enjoy that. Now, the state of Florida and our pension system, we have shares of Twitter. I didn't buy it. We have people that run the fund, but nevertheless. It hasn't exactly been great in returns of investment. I mean, it's been pretty stagnant for many years, many years. Uh, so nevertheless, I, th I think to me, that's an injury to the fund. So we're going to be looking at ways that the state of Florida can potentially be holding these Twitter board of directors accountable for breaching their fiduciary duty. So stay tuned on that. Now, here's, here's the problem that I have with this though. Okay, so we're seeing the... the this is where the true issue lies. In the state of Florida, their pension system, which means that, I mean, how many fucking retirees are down in Florida? Come on now. So you can only imagine the size of that pension system. Now, their pension system down there is fully uh, funded uh, by shares of companies like Twitter. So you're seeing the incorporation part right there, John Henry. You're seeing the corporatism. The state pension fund, so the wealth of the retirees in Florida, people that have retired from working for the state of Florida, their livelihood, their existence, their ability to fucking feed themselves, clothe themselves, and provide shelter, all of their necessities, is now dependent on Twitter doing good on the, in the stock market. Why does this seem fucked up to me, John Henry? <laughs> Why does this seem like a bad idea? <laughs> Isn't this what, haven't we, haven't we learned? Why, why are we tying ourselves to the, the conquest of Twitter to just go out there and just to continue to gain market share, destroy its competition, be an upwards, you know, vertical monopoly, just like the Google and Apples and Amazons are. Why, why, why do we, honestly, we force this upon them ourselves. We make this happen by signing on to this bullshit. We fund this. This is how our government works. Now, if we're ever, ever, ever going to find our way out of it, the first thing we need to do if we're going to keep these forms of government at all is reform the ever-loving ever fuck <laughs> out of systems like this and get pension funds away from these goddamn stock market entities. Do you think that Blackguard and uh, uh, BlackRock, I'm sorry, BlackRock, I, I made a Freudian slip there because they're basically the same fucking thing, right? Do you think that BlackRock and Vanguard have anything to do with, with how this shit operates, how these pension funds do? Do you think that BlackRock and Vanguard's investments um, have a lot to do with the pension funds of states around the country? Large amounts of, of people that make money in the political spectrum that have state-funded jobs like this, John Henry, 
that vote Democrat mostly, but also vote Republicans if the Republicans are being good and letting them get away with murder too, because there's plenty of those fucking shit-cons out there too, we know. So, I mean, this this is the, uh, isn't this patronage? <laughs> you know, isn't it, isn't it something, hey, you do good for me and just keep, keep voting for me. We're going to we're gonna keep this fund going. We're going to make sure that the fund does well. I don't care what side of the aisle who's proposing it, but if they're if they're looking to their populace and saying, hey, let us control your investments or let us work with these companies directly as, as a governing body, the people that are supposed to be making the rules and we're all going to do better. Like I, I get a little suspicious. I get a little suspicious when the middleman steps up and says, Hey, I got a, I got a, I got a solution for the problem here <laughs> because they created the fucking problem most of the time. But um, uh, let, let's move on though about DeSantis here. Uh, Ron DeSantis officially ends Disney's special tax status in Florida. He has been on a tear. So this is uh, by uh, Selim Alger. Uh, Florida Ron DeSantis of the New York Post, sorry. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill Friday nixing the Walt Disney Company's sweet tax deal with the state after the entertainment giant opposed its, not, its so-called don't say gay law asserting that the company was aiming to inject sexuality into its content. And they sure as fuck are. And that's openly admitted, um, as we've seen from uh, recordings of their Zoom calls, John Henry. Uh, DeSantis said he was not comfortable having that type of agenda getting special treatment in my state. Enacted in 1967 to attract Disney to Florida. And this is what we were just talking about, right? This is government saying, hey, businesses, let's be friends. Let's be partners. Well, what, what happens? What, what is the result of that? Well, enacted in 1967, as it says, uh, the so-called Reedy Creek Improvement District gives the company near autonomy, including control over police and fire units, as well as infrastructure management at, at its properties. I don't know about you, John Henry, but I think if we started a company tomorrow, I don't think we're ever going to get that sort of treatment ever, ever. You got to be in. And the only reason, and I think Eric July makes a brilliant point when he brings this shit up too, when he talks about the fuck-ups that libertarians have all the time by saying, oh, my private company bullshit when they talk about Twitter or Facebook or Apple or Google or any of these fucking motherfuckers. Um, They go on to say, oh, my my private company, they could do what they want. Well, the reason why they can do all of what they want and fucking get away with it is because the government enables it. And we enable the government. Not only do we buy from these companies like Disney ad nauseum for all the use that are, that, that are uh, subscribing to anything that they produce or buying their shit or going to their theme parks, not only are you doing that, but you're also, you're voting for the people every time you do vote, or even if you don't vote, you're allowing that shit to happen with your tax dollars. Every fucking dollar they take out of your check, folks, goes to these people. And now they're given near autonomy. Now this abrupt nixing of the 55-year-old pact 55 years it took for somebody to even fuck with it um, after Disney objected to legislation DeSantis initiated that banned instruction on gender identity and sexual orientation for kids in kindergarten through the third grade. Who the fuck is Disney as anything to object to any legislation about anything? I don't care what it, I don't care what the fuck the legislation's about. I don't care if it's legislation about how band-aids are supposed to be appropriately placed on boo-boos on these fucking kids. Uh, Disney should have nothing to do with it, right? 
Now, also, supporters of the law assert that it shields kids, which I would agree with, uh, because if you read the fucking thing, uh, from inappropriately sexual material in the younger grades and protects them against forms of indoctrination. Now, John Henry, you brought up brilliantly um, that this did not even go far enough because there's a cutoff, right? There's an age cutoff where now the indoctrination can begin. So, we got you to like about eight or ten now you can learn uh, about how your teacher uh, masturbates or about what uh, he or she or it's or they or thems or fuck whatever else they could come up with that day, right? What their partner and them were up to in their scuba gear. You know, I'm not going to go ahead and, we're not going to add too much more to that. We don't, we don't need those visuals on this goddamn podcast. But it says vocal critics, including top Disney brass, have bashed it as a cruel, in quotations, attack on the LGBTQ community and dubbed it the Don't Say Gay Bill. What the fuck is the LGBTQ community if it's advocating for that kind of shit? What is it? I mean, is it part of the satanic cabal as we've been talking about over the past several months? Well, our goal as a company, this is in quotes, our goal as a company. Now, right then and there, he doesn't say anything about making money. <laughs> now, wasn't it Adam Smith that came up with the thing that the, a company's goal? Where did this guy fail in fucking business school, John Henry? Where their goal as a company is for this law to be repealed by the legislature or even struck down in the courts. So, uh, again, hinting at they're going to use, that Disney will use all of their influence in our culture to rather repeal the law through the legislature itself, meanwhile, you know, governing us for us, right? By, by, <laughs> by putting its finger on the scale in the legislature or having it struck down by also imposing its will in our courts. Now, Disney, for those of you that aren't familiar is part of the global corporatist oligarchy. Now, the World Economic Forum um, is a part of this as well, and they have something called ESG scores, which go to environmental, social, and governmental. Well, gee, this covers about two of them, doesn't it? I wonder what kind of ESG score Disney is getting for uh, opposing uh, the, the Ron DeSantis's uh, quote unquote, don't say gay bill. Now, it says here that President Joe Biden said on Friday, and I'm sure they're correcting what he said. I'm sure they're correcting what he said to make it seem like a honest to goodness, rational fucking person with a working brain said this fucking sentence, John Henry. Uh, but it said that uh, Joe Biden said on Friday that the parental rights and education bill signed by DeSantis signaled a shift in the Republican Party. And the quote is, it's not even conservative in a traditional sense of conservatism. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it's not even conservative because it ain't conservative. Oh, oh, oh okay. So there's circular reasoning there from old putting pants. So it's just wherever that fucking erector set pieces that are holding together the the little patchwork of his brain, uh, whatever whatever current is flowing through that shit. Uh, <laughs> could you could you even uh? Get a get a clock like those potato clocks that you can just you just stick the electrodes in the in the potato and it and it it fucking juices up the clock for you. Can you get enough electricity off of his brain to function one of those little digital clocks, John Henry? 
it says not even conservative in a traditional sense of conservatism. Okay. Now he said, but it, the other quote, he says, it's mean, it's ugly. Look at what's happening in Florida. Christ, they're going after Mickey Mouse. So he uses Christ's name in vain. <laughs> and then straw mans by saying that they're somehow going after Mickey Mouse. You know who's really going after Mickey Mouse? Disney themselves. I don't think for a second, and, and this is something that DeSantis, uh, I think, rightly points out um, later, and I think it, it's quoted in this article. It says, DeSantis addressed concerns that the new structure would saddle as municipalities current debt, Disney, uh, Disney debt, which estimated $2 billion for the services it would pick up. Um, I'm looking for the quote where he says that uh, Walt probably wouldn't agree with this shit. But I think you know what I'm talking about there. Uh, it's just, it's it's unbelievable that a corporation like this is willing to get away with it. And then they even have the president of the United States covering for them, siding with them, an entire political party and a seat in our government like the presidency, uh, strawmanning by saying that, oh, this is just an attack on Mickey Mouse. All right, but... Let's let's uh, switch to a different topic here, John. Do you have anything to add about Mr. DeSantis this week? Because, I mean, you you said some things in support of him, but also you've been pretty fair about questioning him for not going far enough at times. What do you think about all this stuff? He's, he's had a good week, hasn't he? I think so. You know, I appreciate that he continues the fight. Um, you know, they'll start to pay $200 million in taxes per year. The valuation of Disney uh, for the stockholders is down 41 billion dollars what i appreciate about DeSantis, outside of the fact that as you guys know i've criticized him heavily because of him putting a limitation on the indoctrination of children um you know when it comes to sexual orientation i don't believe there should be a grade that we're allowed to do that starting at i think that's very wrong i think it defeats the entire purpose um but here's what i got to say about uh teflon ron Fucker guy, he just keeps fighting every week, man. You know, and he doesn't stop. It's kind of like, you know, I was listening to Trump's rally today, right? When you look at it, of course, this is a midterm election year, but it's not a presidential election year, but he continues to do these rallies because he knows that that's one way that he can speak the truth, even though it won't be publicized by any type of mainstream media outside of right side broadcasting, or you can live stream it on Getter. Um, but he keeps saying it and just keeps saying it. And, and I appreciate that about DeSantis too, is that it's like every week he's doing something. Uh, and I just, I love his fortitude and I love his persistence. So, um, you know, I'm a big fan of him external of what I've just shared. Um, but I'm just, I'm grateful to see somebody that's really just a warrior for the people, for our children, just fighting, you know, day in and day out. Uh, he's not willing to settle down. He's not willing to to take no for an answer on it. And, and um, you know, the guy's putting up a hell of a fight. So I think he's really a leader in the conservative party right now. I think he's definitely a future president. Uh, there's no question about that. And the guy got a, a giant set of balls swinging on him. So, you know, he didn't want to put up with the Disney shit. And now uh, they're worth 41 billion less. Good for you, Ron DeSantis. Keep up the good work, big dog. Well, John Henry, one thing I wanted to share with our audience is something uh, you just sent me. Um, and, and this uh, actually transitions perfectly um, into this next segment, because I wanted to talk about this. I brought it up last week, 
And I, I say that because we, we, we had a packed show last week. I couldn't possibly fit another fucking topic like this, especially one I wanted to talk about more um, like this in there. And and this we're going to start talking about now, the uh, trans medical industry. So this is from our own John Henry who sent this to me. Um, this is a picture for those of you uh, not watching. Uh, I'm showing a picture now of the number of pediatric gender clinics in 2007. There's like two. <laughs> um, the number of pediatric gender clinics in 2022, there's easily about 50 to 60 on this on this map now. At least 50 to 60 on this map now. I think that's probably even conservative. Yeah. Well, you know, we're conservative leaning, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it's probably 80 to 100. Uh, it's, uh, they're across the whole entire country, heavily saturated, and you're going to be shocked. The Northeastern United States and California. Yeah. Well, and one thing, too, uh, I, I just wanted to show that briefly because let's talk about this. The transgender medical industry. Um, this is from the Daily Mail. I think it's gone too far. Leading transgender psychologists helped hundreds of teens transition, but says peer pressure is behind recent rise in children coming out as trans or non-binary and slams yeah, colleagues. It wouldn't be peer pressure from their teachers, would it? Yeah. Or Disney. Or the president of the United <laughs> States. Every time they turn the fucking television on. An entire part, an entire, like what, half of our culture? Half of our culture. Maybe. Right. I mean, we always said, oh, it's just a fringe minority of these kooks. You know, that this was the argument that was brought up about uh, Dennis Prager, you know, on Bill Maher's show. We talked about that last week because I think uh, Tim, Tim Poole brought it up on Tim Cass IRL or something where it, basically just they pointed out that Dennis Prager was on Bill Maher's show of which. Oh, oh John Henry, real quick. I did listen to uh, the uh, Joe Rogan, and here's our you know, weekly Joe Rogan reference that we have to bring up, of course, but it was me this time. It wasn't you. Um, but um, I, I was going to say, I did listen to the Bill Maher, Joe Rogan, and um, I got, man, it, it was exhausting for me. It was really exhausting to get through it because I screamed at my fucking phone so many times because it just pointed out like, I really don't think that Bill Maher comes off as malicious. But he is ignorant as fuck. He is just super ignorant. The fact that he Absolutely. has a research team that he references in it so many times. Well, my research team, I was like, I am my own research team. And you don't know that polyethylene glycol is one of the main fucking ingredients in the shot. And Rogan didn't even know either. I'm like, both of you mm -hmm. motherfuckers. I, I, I yeah. want to hit them both with a ruler like the penguin from fucking Blues Brothers. You know, I, I think there was some positive things from there. I liked his commentary on the masks. Um, but... When it comes to ignorance, um, his referencing to climate change and global warming, I was in the same boat as you. Yeah. I'm like, shut the fuck up. You know, and uh, Trump today actually referenced it. Uh, not specifically. He didn't say Bill Maher and Joe Rogan. But what he talked about is they're trying to transition all of the COVID restrictions and regulations over to climate change restrictions and regulations. Yes. And the reason that they changed the, the, the dialogue from or the narrative from uh, global warming to climate change is because now they can justify the temperature going up, the temperature going down, the sea level going up, the sea level going down. 
So they can just paint a really broad stroke and they're just utilizing that as their medium to put these restrictions and regulations on everybody and try to control our fucking lives. Um, so yeah, Bill Maher, you're a fucking idiot when it comes to that part. And he talks, it's so he's so arrogant in that, that it's so matter of fact that you're an idiot if you don't understand that part. Um, but he wasn't objective at all on that. So the positive was, I like what he said about the masks. You know, you don't wear a condom after you're done having sex and he wants to punch kids that are wearing masks. Okay. All right. I get it. You know, it's frustrating. You know, um, I was at the airport yesterday and I would like to announce that it's been great to fly with no mask on officially because I didn't wear one anyway. Um, I just perpetually had a cup of coffee in my hand the entire time, every time I flew because well, fuck that, you know, that it's not, it's less healthy for you to restrict your oxygen, um, than it is to wear that dumb thing. But man, I'm at the airport yesterday. Uh, I'm in the middle of a move right now and I've been flying at least twice a week for the last couple of weeks and damn near every person in the security line had a fucking mask on. And I'm just like, what are you people doing? And it goes back to when I had a little bit of a meltdown and my question was, what is it going to take for them to fucking stop wearing these things? It's done now. There's no regulation. There's no law. There's no mandate. Nothing, people. You have a mental fucking illness wearing these things. It's like, um, what is it? Linus with the blanket. Who's the one yeah. from no, you got it right. Peanuts, it's right? Linus, yeah. It's kind of what like that's your that's like they're a bunch of fucking they're Linuses. Yep. Like, take the fucking mask it's off, their guys. COVID doesn't make you safe. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. I'm like looking around, look at my wife, and I'm like, do you see this? And she's like, why are they all wearing these? I have no fucking idea. I have no idea. And some people with two of them. I mean, it's insanity that people have been, you know, their minds have just been so fucking manipulated that that's a necessity or something you should have or it's healthy. It's just fucking crazy, people. Stop. Stop. You know, I asked somebody that I worked with. I'm like, Hey man, I'm not trying to be an asshole. I know I might be an asshole, but I'm not trying to be right now. But what's it going to take for you to take the mask off? Oh, well, you know, man, I just, you know, so my family wasn't feeling good and, you know, and you know, people traveling and I'm like, yeah, but, but what's it going to take to take the fucking mask off? Take it off. There's always going to be people traveling. Somebody that you know is always going to have a fucking runny nose. So stop already people fucking stop hanging on to that. It's ridiculous and it's weak mindedness. Drives me crazy. Well, and a quick shout out too to our friend uh, Jessica Priya, who we've had on the show. Um, I saw a couple of videos on Instagram this past week of her going out in Hawaii and fighting for the rights of children to fucking breathe freely. Uh, I believe they call them the Kiki there, right? Yeah. Um, Kiki. Kiki. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've seen her uh, a couple of her live streams and her videos. So, you know. And that's what we all need to be fighting for. Take the mask off the kids. I mean, this is a demographic that was least at risk and we still have them on these children. And they fucking hid you from know, her. And, like the people that she was asking questions, the people that she went to seek out answers from, they hid from her. They like went, they, they, they went and hid and locked their doors and they refused to answer any of her questions. It was Of disgusting. course they did. Because there's no valid answer. There's no justification to no. it. It's insane. And it's really interesting. You know, I don't ride in Ubers a whole lot because I just don't need to. But I've just been in a weird situation where I've been in like 15 Ubers in the last month. Um, it, it just it's been really strange. And, you know, the topic of masks always come up. And I um, I was in there with with two separate drivers. They were both older females. And we were talking about kids. 
And both of them brought up how hard it's been on kids and their development and communication. Oh, we're going to talk and about how that. terrible yeah. it's been. Oh, yeah. I mean, literally two separate ones just brought that up on their own, right? Because I'm like, you know what? I'm in this, this person's car. I don't want to get into it. But if they open up the can of worms, we'll have that conversation, which I love when people open up the fucking can of worms because I'm the big old ugly worm that crawls out of that son bitch. You know, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> that's what I did. I'm like, here come, I'm a worm. And I don't like masks or liberals, right? And you just get into that. And it's interesting because a lot of them, they're, you know, both of they, the women were, and I'm vaccinated and triple vaccinated and da 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 right? And I don't want to argue with them about that part, but I could then give them data and information on how bad it's been for children and all the studies are coming out and speech therapists. Like it's like, you know, parents enrolling their kids into speech therapies up like 380% right now because they're not seeing people's facial expressions and mannerisms and they're not learning how to communicate in a normal fashion, you know, and in school, because both of them are like in that and the online schooling. And this has been, you know, so you take these women that are like, I got nine fucking boosters and next thing you know, they're like, man, what's happening to the kids is wrong. So I think to me, that's a good example of something I say to you guys all the time, like find a way to have the conversation. Don't come at it angrily. Don't come at it aggressively, but find a way. There's a subtlety to this, this communication with people. And they gave me the open door and in an empathetic, respectful way, I helped push them and go, guys, actually, here's a little bit more data on that. And they go, oh my goodness, yeah, this is terrible. So even though we're not in agreement on you know whether or not you should be vaccinated or boosted or any of that bullshit, it was great to find a common thread to talk about where maybe I could have pushed them a little bit further to do a little bit more research or you know maybe she'll say that to somebody else in a car sometime or maybe her family members and that's just a positive. So you know that communication piece of it and talking to people and having good conversations, you know those are some really good examples of why I always tell you guys to make it a point to do that and don't be afraid of it. Find a way in, right? Let it be subtle, but they'll open the door for you to listen because people want to hear it. They know what they've been told, 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 but sometimes they really want to talk back, right? And have a real conversation because you can't talk back to your TV. I mean, I do. Anytime the news is on, I'm screaming at it, but that's not effective. <laughs> they can't hear me. Um, speaking of, I just want to say, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. Um, CNN plus subscribers. Oh, yeah. Um, as much as I would like to have a moment of silence for one of the most massively failed news enterprises uh, or you know efforts that they've ever made, uh, fuck you. Fuck the hundreds of millions of dollars that, uh, that you spent. And that's another positive. 30 days, CNN plus, 10,000 subscribers fucking gone, right? And then Brian Stelzer, you're talking about fucking pudding for brains. Well, we just don't know whether or not it was a success. Well, you're a fucking idiot. You're an idiot. And you think that we want to hear Anderson Cooper talking about parenting? You know, if you're in our circle, you know who the fuck he is. You know what his bloodline is. And I want to have him tell me about fucking parenting? Are you kidding me right now? So when you look at how much lower the valuation of Disney is, CNN Plus is fucking gone. Spotify has stopped um, production on Obama's podcast. Mm -hmm. Guys, they're getting it. You're making the point, man. You are doing a good job, everybody. And letting <laughs> these fuckers know that we're done with your bullshit. We're done with your indoctrination and your propaganda campaign. We don't want to hear it anymore. And that's the way that we do it. 
That is exactly the way that we can be as effective as possible is fucking attrition. Squeeze these fuckers. Squeeze them, man. You guys are doing great work, man. So great job to everybody that's made it a point to go, fuck that. Or having a conversation with somebody like, what do you do? What do you listen to that for? It's garbage. It's garbage. Oh, you brought off so many brilliant points. Let me, let me try and tie it all in though. Um, first off, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sometimes I get on a little bit of a tear. <laughs> oh no, 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 it's great. But I, I just would be while it's on the tip of my tongue too. Before, because I'll I'll forget it. Um, as you all listening, if, if those of you all you long uh, term listeners there, those of you that have been with us from the beginning, even you, you've probably picked up now that John Henry and I we're not really pessimistic people. But if you would have told us that our podcast would have outlasted the Obama's podcast on Spotify. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm going to take that bet, brother. Yeah. <laughs> we probably would have lost out on that one. I would be like passing up on no. Bitcoin like a couple years ago. Like, oh, no, shit. No, YouTube. We didn't have a fucking chance on YouTube, and I'm okay. I wear that as a badge of honor. <laughs> Like oh, it could beautiful. have been anything. It'd be like a whole ass Bitcoin. I'd be like, nah, no, nah, I'm not. No, <laughs> we'll probably get banned the second episode. Yeah, <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> but um, what you brought up though, and just like this, this ties into the Mar thing that you brought up, uh, which is great, and and just like everything else too that we've talked about thus far too is uh, I I blame a lot on misattribution these days. When you take people that would otherwise be good, good, upstanding citizens, good people, loving people, they love their families, they love their country even, and you feed them and propagandize them with bullshit, right? And then also on top of that, um, you have a, a situation now where you have these giant corporations and governments combining, <laughs> yeah, again, global corporatist oligarchy, folks. Um, that that's the best description I can come up with besides just saying they all the time, but, um, you, you can attribute it to so much of the global warming bullshit. And you, one could argue they're, they're even reverting back to that because they've been trying with climate shit since, uh, David Knight did a great segment about earth day this past week. Cause it was this past week, the 22nd. And he went through the entire, uh, history of it and how all this alarmism has been used over the decades to drive people into radicalism whenever it comes to environment and environmental policy. And it's shifted everything in this country too, towards people that are into those sort of things being associated with the left. So that's how you even see knuckleheads like Joe Rogan sometimes be like, yeah, I'm on the left. Cause I love the environment. And meanwhile, that it, it, it's the left and it's these giant corporations that are trying to control the environment with their ESG scores, the environmental part uh, in this case. Uh, but yeah. And, and, if you really want to look at it this way, that misattribution, that ignorance, so many of those same people that believe um, in man-made global warming and the government's ability to affect it, um, I'll, I'll put that all in one sentence there for you. So people that believe that, like Bill Maher went after people who believe in religion, John Henry, the guy that came up with religious <laughs> is, is sitting on Joe Rogan's podcast Saying in front of the world that he believes the scientists, he believes in global warming, and these other people don't believe in this. Well, haven't we learned, John Henry, over the past, I don't know, uh, all the episodes that we've done, that the incorporation of science 
into the global corporatist oligarchy is what's causing a lot of this bullshit. It's them fucking with science. It's them making it not science. It's just like putting CRT into math. It doesn't belong there. It's not part of the of the, of the code. And that's why even going back to where we started with with biblical stuff, John Henry, that you remove a lot of part of the code that was added. You go back to the original source code. <laughs> so let's talk about other original source codes like, I don't know, DNA. <laughs> Uh, it says, uh, the uh, person here uh, that they were quoting also has slammed colleagues for the lack of rigorous mental health exams, too. That is uh, Dr. Erica Anderson, 71, said that, that the rise in children coming out as trans or non-binary is the result of peer pressure and called for rigorous health evaluations. Now, Anderson, who went through her own transition at 45 said the teens, and you'll find this often too, uh, I believe, where you will find that the people that are in this part of the medical industry are also, just like you find in um, journalism, John Henry, they're, they're advocates. They're, they're the protesters. Uh, they're not the people there doing that job just to serve in that job, but they're doing it because they themselves um, have embodied that dogma. They themselves are carrying out the good word of whatever the, the cause, whether it be global warming or trans uh, trans people. So that said, that um, she says that teens influence each other to come out, even though they might still be questioning their gender. She also has asked fellow colleagues to carry out extensive exams to make sure teens are in the right state of mind to begin their transition. Now, also, it says Dr. A.J. Eckert, another gender specialist, said excessive evaluations could be harmful to teens' mental health and dismissed Anderson's claims. Oh, and Anderson's worries stem from the cases where youths go through surgeries after only a few therapy sessions only to regret the decision later in life. Now, we've read so much about that sort of thing. Um, but it, it, what she's pointing out here, though, a few therapy sessions? So you go to somebody, okay, that is an activist, <laughs> and you ask them about that cause. So you say that you're, you're a gun rights activist, right? And I go to you to say, oh, well, should we provide ammunition in gun stores? What, what what would I expect of you? <laughs> would you say, oh, no, I think ammo should be the furthest away from people and guns, you know? Or are you going to say, no, it should be readily available because it's your fucking right, you know? And, and the better the production and the better the manufacturing and the more widely available, the better. I, I don't know what these people are expecting by going to uh, psychologists now um, and, and, and seeking psychiatric help. Because these people are funneling the radio. It's, it's a fucking funnel. It's a racket. It's a, an assembly line. This is Henry Ford would, would be like, oh, hey, yeah, that's how it's done. You, you send them in. You, you propagandize them on television and in school. You have Disney tell them through movies and entertainment and music and other bullshit that they're one of 72,000 different genders. New identities that you can create. New niches. New, new, new uh, markets to cater towards if, if you're in the corporation part of this, right? And then afterwards, after they're indoctrinated at that part, then they're incorporated. Then they go into, the, say, the medical system and they say, hey, medical corporation, rather take all of my money or even better yet too, take 
all of my brothers and sisters' tax dollars, and please use that to fund the transitioning of my eight-year-old from a male to female, something that they will never get back. <laughs> you know, and, and then 10 years on, when that person looks around them and goes, oh my God, what did I do to myself? Or do I even want to continue living this way? You can't even speak of it. That just shows you how powerful these fucking people are, that you can't even question this orthodoxy these days. But it says that Anderson, a former clinical psychologist herself at the University of California, San Francisco's, okay, so she was a transition person that worked in San Francisco, shocker, at the Child and Adolescent Gender Clinic, said clinicians are failing to carry out thorough mental health evaluations before recommending hormones or other surgeries. Think of the dollars, just the dollars. You could talk about the harm. We could talk about the moral argument. We could definitely do that, and it should be talked about. But just talk about the corruption alone. How much can you funnel into innocent children into taking fucking hormones and surgeries that will destroy their bodies and potentially their lives. Now, it also says, for a while, we were all happy that society was becoming more accepting and more families than ever were embracing children that were gender variant. Anderson, who made her own transition at 45, told the Los Angeles Times. But in quotes, it says, I think it's gone too far. (laughs) And I would agree. Now it's got to the point where these kids are presenting at clinics whose parents say this just doesn't make sense. To flatly say there couldn't be any social influence in formation of gender identity flies in the face of reality, she added. Teenagers influence each other. Now, of course, you're going to see Dr. Eckert here. Dr. A.J. Eckert, who doesn't agree. Um, with that, and and you know why? This, this is what I'm talking about. This is the full indoctrination, folks. This is the incorporation. This is that stage. You see, the it's got to be the rainbow colors. Got to signify that. Got to show your your allegiance to to the cabal. And then we got we even have the fucking flag here. And then and then John Henry. And then <laughs> remember a couple weeks back. When I was watching V's channel of Romanian TV, and he created that flag that was like the stupid flag with all the symbols on it. She even has that fucking hanging behind her. (laughs) Isn't any wonder why she's orthodox to this of just taking children and funneling them into hormone and transition therapies and surgeries? No, it's not a shocker. She also told uh, the Times she was already had interviewed uh, intervened on a hormone therapy session for a 13-year-old who identified as male, but had yet to meet with a psychologist. Didn't even have a meeting. What did you? So you just walk into the Walgreens now? Is that going to be the new thing? You just walk into the Walgreens? It's just I don't know. These pants are fitting me kind of tight. Maybe. Maybe I like dressing like a woman. You know what? Maybe I just want to be a woman. And you just walk up to the Walgreens counter and they just hand you fucking hormones. Is that how it's going to go? I can't get fucking allergy medication when I need it. But these kids, (laughs) these kids could just walk into any clinic 
and just get on the shit that changes their entire like uh, sexual and, and genetic makeup. Oh, but okay. So let's move on to this next article. This is the angle that I thought that most people, including myself, were not ready for. This is from The Telegraph, entitled, I was allowed to transition at 18 without question, but I regretted it. Allie had private gender therapy to become male, but transitioned back following an autism diagnosis. Here, she shares her story. This is from Kim Thomas. The debate about trans identities and gender dysphoria has become very polarized. Yeah, no shit. Even for those of us who have lived through it. When the government announced this week it would not go ahead with a bill to ban conversion therapy for trans people, my response was mixed. At 18, I'd been prescribed testosterone by a private GP so I could transition to living as a man. The GP didn't attempt to explore the possible causes of my gender dysphoria, such as my mental health problems or my difficulties fitting in socially. But even if they had, I might have insisted on going ahead anyway. I thought I knew everything about myself, this person says. Nobody could tell me what to do. I was raised in Lancashire in a very masculine environment. My mom used to work nights, so I was looked after by my dad. I also had two stepbrothers, eight years older. I wasn't brought up with them, but we did socialize as I was growing up after my parents divorced when I was 11. I spent a lot of time with my dad because my mom used to work three jobs. Again, the incorporation, when you have to work three fucking jobs for corporate America or corporate I think this is England, just to get by. Um, That'll do something to your kids too. Um, Who's raising the fucking kids if all the parents are working all the time? Well, it says here, when I started school, I struggled to make friends with other girls. I didn't care for groovy chick or Barbie or brats. I just wanted to play football. There were a lot of social rules to female friendships. Male friendships were just so much easier. We'd fall out, we'd fight, just like you and I talked about just briefly here with these all these all these fights at the parties. We'd make up, we'd forget about it the next day. High school was a particularly difficult time. When I was about 11, I became convinced I was meant to be a boy. My male friends were all developing differently to me, and in turn, that made me feel like I wished I had what they had. They were stronger and more outgoing. On Tumblr, of course... And YouTube, absolutely. Why not? Because YouTube, being a part of the GCO as well, I discovered that trans people who argued that some people who are meant to be male are accidentally born female. So I was indoctrinated by YouTube and Tumblr into this. <laughs> and then afterwards, I thought, and this, uh, this is the answer. I was gender dysphoric. I was meant to be born male. And there was no other reason why, no other reason why I might not get on with women. At the same time, I began feeling sexually attracted. This is really where it gets interesting too. I began feeling sexually attracted to girls. The later I realized I was bisexual. Age 12, aged 12, I developed depression and anxiety. I had a few sessions with a counselor who used words such as borderline, bipolar, and manic. My parents didn't really know what to do, and support from the school was minimal. 
It was my boyfriend who I met in high school and who is also bisexual who gave me the most support. So, groomed. Uh, to add to my distress, when I was 14, I was sexually, oh, there you go. I was sexually abused by a stranger after being groomed online. <laughs> I told my parents, who reported it to the police. Eventually, the perpetrator was tried and sent to prison. It was a hugely traumatic period. I started experimenting with my gender presentation on Instagram and Tumblr. I changed my pronouns like you can do, except I can't put myself on there, John Henry, as a bicycle, even though that's what my appearance is in my profile picture. Uh, but I changed my pronouns to he, she. <laughs> Mine is pear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I identify as a pear <laughs> that most resembles my shape. <laughs> but it says here, I thought I was gender fluid because the concept of transitioning was too scary. I was only 13 or 14 at this point. Some days I wanted to be girly. Other days I wanted to dress like a man. In my final year at school, I remember saying to my boyfriend that I needed to pick a side. Some days I would say my pronouns are he, him, and others I would say my pronouns are she, her. Before going to college, I swallowed my dysphoria. And for the next two years of my life, I decided I was going to be as girly as possible and blend in and be totally normal. So there's another picture. That's wow. That's a crazy, that's a crazy switch. I know. But it also says, but when I was 18 and did my last exam, I suddenly decided I needed to go ahead with this transition. The big narrative being pushed is that, I like this. The big narrative being pushed is that transition will be the answer to all your problems. The panacea, if you will. I confided in my boyfriend who groomed me. Um, I'm adding that. And he was very supportive because back then he assumed that doctors, just like Bill Maher would assume too, right? Uh, back then he assumed that doctors knew what they were doing. The NHS, so yes, this is Britain. The NHS waiting time for hormones is about five or six years. So I saved up enough money for my gap year job to pay for private gender therapy. In March 20 of 18, I contacted Gender GP, an online health and well-being clinic for transgender people, and was given a 30-minute phone consultation, costing $300. Could I even get on TRT therapy after a 30-minute online consultation? <laughs> Could I even yes. get something that helps me like, <laughs> you know, perform a little bit better in my life? You, you can. Okay. Uh I am an advocate for TRT, mm -hmm. <laughs> not for a woman to take it or a she, him, her, it, they, Missouri. Yeah. Uh, but yes, you can. I was just saying, cause like it, 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 for that purpose, if I couldn't do that for the, you know, for myself, I'd be a little weirded out if they could, you know, do that to transition, but I digress. So I never had. So to let me, I want to throw one thing out there though. Yeah. I like that the wait time is five or six years. Yeah. That's a good one. That's one thing I take from this article that I think is reasonable. Like maybe it's, I don't know, socialized healthcare and it just takes a long fucking time to have anything happen. Um, but I like that. I think that there definitely should be a time frame that you have to wait before you go that route. Yeah, that's that's a cooling off period. <laughs> not, not like the Brady Bill or anything like that, right? Uh, yes. Now, it says... I never had 
a face-to-face consultation. Never. Jeez. All right. So in June, I was prescribed hormones. So $300, 30 minutes, prescribed hormones, pipeline, money to the pharmaceutical companies. Again, brought to you by Pfizer. There was no exploration of my sexual trauma and no mention of my upbringing and how that could have affected things. The consultation included a question about fertility risks and whether I wanted children. Because of what I'd read on social media, I knew I needed to say no. (laughs) So because social media groomed me, (laughs) I knew I needed to say no, that I didn't have any questions about fertility risks in order to be prescribed hormones. Where's the fucking... Oh, God. So you know how we talked about that whole, like, you know, informed consent thing for the past couple months here? (laughs) You think social media has something to do with all this? (laughs) You know, and that goes back to when I talk about, like, the total indoctrination of people. And obviously, we started off the conversation tonight with violence. And we always end up on this topic because this is something that is being pressed so heavily on our youth. Right. And let's go back to that statement of peer pressure. So early on, when we first started the podcast, I remember telling a story about a woman that worked for me. And she was telling me that her daughter, um, she didn't know if she was non-binary or trans or gay. And this is, was in an incredibly rural area in Virginia. So it's like in the middle between Charlottesville and Fredericksburg, which is all like civil war, war grounds. But it's it's very fucking rural. And the mom's like, I don't know what I'm, I want to do. There's like 36 girls in her high school that are all either like trans, non-binary or gay. So when you think about the peer pressure of, you know, because when you're at that age, you want attention. You want people to think you're cool. Right. And when you look at it, when it comes to that peer pressure, it comes from now your teachers, your students, because everybody wants that special treatment. Right. Especially like, let's just go with white kids as an example. Like, white kids want to be celebrated. Like, I can appreciate, um, you know, Black History Month. I, I get that. I appreciate that. But one, and listen, I'm not saying white kids are victims of this or, you know, if the fact that they're Black History Month is why white kids are entitled to this. So fuck you if you think that. That's not my point. Just go with me for a second. But my point is like any kid wants special attention. So if they can have, you know, LGBTQ events and activities and months and weeks and all this shit, like they gravitate towards that. They are pressured towards that. They Every kid wants to feel special. Every teenager wants to feel special and loved and appreciated. And that's one of the things that social media and that peer pressure and pressure from the teachers, that's what it's pushing them towards to make decisions like this one. And that's a pretty terrible thing. So going back to, you know, when we talked about, you know, save our children part two and pay the fuck attention to who's around your kids when you're not there. This is just an example of what I mean by that. Like, if you have a kid, if your daughter's 12, right, and she is your daughter, and you do your due diligence and find out that one of her best friends, uh, she has two moms, and she's also trans, and that's who she spends her time with. Like, get that. Know that. Don't be ignorant to that and find out later on and go, ooh, oops. Look, it's probably an important point to know. 
Well, and I'm glad you brought up the, the parenting aspect of this because folks out there listening, imagine being the parent and then reading this sentence from your son and or daughter. They didn't tell me all of the potential side effects, such as heart problems and loss of bone density or the extent to which it could impact fertility. <laughs> what does that sound like? I don't know. That sounds familiar. That sounds like a thing that I've, oh, yeah, those fucking clot shots. The same exact fucking thing. And then look, John Henry, at what they say next. A spokesman for the online gender clinic, Gender GP, says, We operate an informed model of care. Bull fucking shit you do. You evil cunts. If you're not telling you, 30, 30 minutes and 300 bucks, and you're pumping hormones into these fucking kids, and then you're not even telling them all the potential side effects. How dare you? How dare you even call yourselves a- a- anything even related to the medical community? You don't deserve to own a Fisher Price fucking stethoscope if that's the fucking uh, 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 attempt at, at moral integrity that you've that you've that you've put forth here, uh, you pieces of shit. But it also says that means we start from a position. I love this because it's what we've been talking about. Didn't even plan that one. That means we start from a position of belief. What the fuck? <laughs> where, uh, where, where in the medical community do you start? Okay, again, this is a spokesman from the online gender clinic, Gender GP, saying that means we start from a position of belief. If you say you are trans, that's it. We just start there. We just we believe you. Okay, good. You are. Our job is not to try and validate your gender. No, we would we would never question. You know, in science, you never take tests to prove that something is. If I walked into a thing and I said, "Hey, doc, I have cancer on my balls," and the doctors just be like, "I believe you." And then just rips my fucking sack off, like without like a paper towel, without even questioning, you know, they just just go right for it, you know? What the fuck? Okay. So again, our job, this is the spokesman, our job is not to try and validate your gender or prove whether you are trans. Because how could you even, you know? <laughs> That's an interesting maybe they have a math equation for that one that was rejected by Ron DeSantis Florida. <laughs> our job is to support you. To make the best decisions. Oh, could you get any more platitudinous? Could you get anything more gobbly, just gook, just just bullshit? Just saying nothing. Have, have uh, no responsibility for anything. It, and it's the same. Could, could a politician have said that? Of course they could have. Now, going back to the, the subject here that's speaking, uh, for the first year or so, I was over the moon. I changed my name to Ryan. It took about three months to see changes, which included developing more muscle mass and broader shoulders. My period stopped, which I was very happy about. You know, that's the one where, hey, if you got out of having to deal with that bullshit, that's worth taking a pill. (laughs) You want to know the side effects, of course. You want to be given uh, informed consent there, but dear. Uh, Now, it says socially, I enjoyed going out and being uh, read as male, and I was pleased to no longer attract unwelcome sexual attention from men. My relationship with my boyfriend was pretty much the same, though when we went out, we did sometimes attract invasive questions about how we had sex. Um, I was a lot more emotionally stable 
no longer having the up and down emotions that girls tend to have as a result of a hormonal cycle. Uh, my friends were all very accepting. Although my dad found the name change difficult, he said that as I was an adult, I could do what I wanted. I had been binding my breasts and had saved up $7,000 to pay for a double mastectomy, but in the end decided it would be better to spend it on traveling or buying a house. That was probably a good decision. Uh, I'm glad I didn't go ahead. Now, then during my first term at the University of Lancaster, where I was studying psychology, I went through a bad mental health episode. After attempting suicide. Stop. Yep. How many fucking times have I said this, folks? How many times have I brought this up? How many podcasts are we up to now? Is this 31 today? Uh, 33. Well, 33 in total, but 33. Yeah. Okay. So, is it suffice to say, genuinely, five of those I've brought this topic up? Oh, at least. Yeah, that would be a conservative number there for yourself. So, I I recall reading a statistic, it was like 36% of transitioning adults attempt or commit suicide, guys. How many fucking times do we have to say it? Start changing your hormones in your body. You think that that is going to fix you. It doesn't fix you. Because people think transitioning into a different person means they're a new person. You're the same fucking person with the same trauma and the same experiences and the same hurtful things that have happened to you and the same shit you feel bad for that you've done to other people. That does not fucking take it away. You can go from James to fucking Julia, but you still did that shitty stuff to that person. It just fucking boggles my mind. This is a mental health issue that needs addressed. And when we go back to that, the picture you showed I sent you about all the clinics right? The transition clinics and the child sexuality clinics. This is so fucked. It is, it is just perpetuating just nothing but mental illness. And it is, it is propping people up to have terrible emotional and mental problems. I'm sorry, but I fucking hate what they do to people, man. Well, yeah. Back to you, sir. And, and props to this person here that's referenced said, um, that after the suicide attempt, uh, the subject, I was referred to at uh, a social worker, uh, they explained. And when I explained to him that I'd always felt like an outcast and struggled if things weren't routine, he suggested I might have autism. And after being referred to specialists for an assessment, my autism diagnosis was confirmed. It was like having pieces of a jigsaw puzzle come together enabling me to see the full picture. Wow. Isn't that a, a Jordan Maxwell type of homage there by accident? I mean, this is what we talk about though. When you, when you misattribute, when you, when you have people that don't know the full truth, when they don't know the full reality, when they've been misled by their culture, by their society, by their government, by the corporations that they love, by fucking Mickey Mouse, by Big Bird, these people, even their own families, they're like, oh, we love you. You could do whatever you want to do. Well, you're putting them into the mouth of the monster because they're not being informed. They don't know. They don't have the rationale. They, they don't even have the depth of the, of the perception in their brains to even understand what the consequences will be uh, from their actions. They're fucking children. 
So later it says, about six months later, I decided to come off testosterone. The online clinic advised me not to come off it altogether because my gender dysphoria and recommended instead that I have, I have my dose. Initially, I did this, but when my periods came back, I decided to stop it altogether. I didn't speak to any other medical professionals and didn't have any more contact with the clinic except to cancel my $30 a month subscription fee. <laughs> There's even a fucking Netflix type subscription service to it too. And although I felt happy passing as a male, I was never 100% comfortable. I was constantly worried about whether I looked too female. Part of me felt like I was lying to myself and others. And then fertility was another big factor because when I turned 20, I realized I really wanted a family. And I had chosen to self-sterilize for no good reason. Now, speaking about having families, because we could go on here, this is a fucking brilliant article. Please check this out on this week's source list. Every single week, we put all the articles that we go over uh, in the show on our source list and make and provide that to people uh, that subscribe to us on Minds and also over at Substack, and it's free. Uh, but uh, just to top off this, uh, la- the last part <laughs> of this topic before we finish out this week, two inmates at an all-women's New Jersey jail are pregnant after both had sex with transgender prisoners, and the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, won the battle to house 27 trans inmates there. Thanks, ACLU. Doing a great fucking job there. It says the pregnant women are housed at the embattled Edna Mahan Correctional Facility in Clinton, which New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, who's also a giant piece of shit, announced plans to close. Um, it is unclear if the women had sex with the same transgender woman, because <laughs> there's multiple ones in there, thanks to ACLU, of course. Edna Mahan houses uh, 27 transgender prisoners and over 800 cisgender women. The correctional facility began to house inmates by gender identity last year after reaching a settlement and a lawsuit brought by a trans woman and the ACLU. And in Mahan, the only women's prison in the state, does not require transgender inmates to proceed with reassignment surgery in order to be housed. So, oh, oh what's, what's the solution there, John Henry? Oh, you force them into the surgeries. Well, who makes money off of that? Oh, the medical system loves that. The medical system's like, yes. We will, we will, we will build a whole new building. the The real estate companies love it too because guess what? They're going to be building a whole new wing onto the fucking hospital to put all these people. So I mean, it's just one hand just wash the. It's the snake fucking itself in the ass over and over again. Here again, um, in recent years, Edna Mahan has grappled with reports of widespread abuses and systematic failures. Ten prison guards face criminal charges stemming from an alleged assault on inmates, including a transgender woman. And January in January of 2020. So that's from Andrea Blanco from the Daily Mail. I'm not going to go too much more into that because it's just a fucking disgusting tale. But I think, John Henry, you can get the gist of it this uh, week for that topic about what this is all leading to. This is the orthodoxy. This is the trans yeah. medical industry's orthodoxy, the pipeline from indoctrination to incorporation to death. Yeah, progress. Progress. <laughs> progress for the evil empire. Absolutely. You know, here's what I'm thinking about. Imagine being a woman in a jail cell with that thing. Now, what we don't know is if that was consensual sex. Do we? 
Oh yeah, that's yeah, uh, uh, that's the other thing. It is prison sex, so I mean, it's not it's always pretty, consensual. Uh, so, you know, when you look at that, imagine being the other inmate sharing a cell with a dude. Now, folks, I've referenced my size before. I'm six foot six, and I weigh two hundred and ninety-five pounds. I'm a rather large human, resembling more of a Sasquatch than a person, and a pair. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, a big beard. I'm a big old fucker, right? And um, so if I identified as a woman, and they put me in prison. Uh, with females, there's no woman there that could protect themselves from me. Uh, hypothetically, right? If there's like a fucking jujitsu black belt, whatever. Um, and I just think about how dangerous that is. Like how incredibly fucking dangerous that is for women. So, feminists coming at you again. Here I come again, feminists. You okay with this? For women to be in a dangerous situation, stuck in a cell with a man? Are you okay with that? Well, if you're not, I recommend that you say something about it. Because if you believe in women's rights and women's safety, um, you should be fucking standing up for this to not be okay. Genuinely. So you want to pick something that you can get behind that people that maybe don't don't agree with your other ideals... Um, would support you in, this would be one of them, for sure. So I expect the pink pussy hat wearers to be out in full, full, full force, uh, you know, fighting against the ACLU, saying that this isn't okay because it puts women in a very dangerous situation. Let's see what you got, feminists. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. And uh, let's move on to our final topic for this week. <clears throat> this is from the NWO Report. I like this website. Uh, it's a uh, leftist attacking the Trump judge who ruled the CDC's mass mandate unlawful are ignoring the constitution. Uh, now it says here, uh, the left is a despicable lot. They lost their minds when a federal judge from a U.S. district court in Florida threw out Joe Biden's mass mandate on traveling by airplane and public transit. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has about as much authority to do a mass mandate as it had to do an eviction or rent moratorium. And we all know how that ended up at the U.S. Supreme Court. By the way, did you know that the federal judge is only 35 years old? And that she was deemed unqualified by a bunch of lawyers who hated former President Donald Trump. They call themselves the Bar Association. A lot of columnists thought those two things were really important. One from the New York Times, an evil, even a legal writer for Slate, the uber-leftist online blog site. Like this guy, the legal writer for Slate, Mark Joseph Stern. This is a tweet from Mark Joseph Stern here that says, Another Trump judge issues another nationwide injunction while pretending to be wary of its legality. Hard to overstate the brazen hypocrisy here. I think that's how he speaks. I don't know to, uh, (laughs) I don't need to know how old Stern is to realize he doesn't understand the limitations on government powers of the Constitution. Most leftists, no longer even consider the Constitution when they make stupid arguments like that. 
It just doesn't even come across their mind, even though some of them call themselves legal writers. The problem, as I see it, is leftists seem to think that any COVID mitigation rule that may seem reasonable to the woke supremacy on Twitter must be legal. Duh, sounds good to me. It must be legal. Judge Catherine Kimball Mazel wrote a 59-page document clarifying her decision on rejecting the mask mandate order, and the nincompoops of the left are mostly focusing on her age. Of course, they always have the straw man, just like they're attacking Mickey Mouse uh, with, with the other shit that we talked about, right? So the judge was responding to a lawsuit that challenged the order that the CDC published back on February 3rd, 2021 in the Federal Register. Mazzella determined that the rule that covered airplanes, airports, and other public transportation systems, taxis, and ride-sharing services such as Uber, Lyft, etc. exceeded the CDC's authority and that the order violated the Administrative Procedure Act. Put another way, the order violates the procedures that are required for agency rulemaking. You have to give it to the radical operatives at the CDC when the federal health agency that has been dead wrong on almost everything concerning COVID since the very beginning created its mass mandate, they did so under the 1944 Public Health Service Act. Among other things, the act authorizes regulations to prevent the interstate spread of communicable illnesses. The law specifically lists inspection, fumigation, disinfection, sanitation, pest extermination, and destruction of infected or contaminated animals or articles, as well as other measures deemed necessary. However, when the agency tried to use the same provision to argue for its eviction moratorium, the lawyers argued that the phrase, other measures, gave them the authority to do use any measure to control any disease that it deemed appropriate. That's such a vague term, it could mean almost anything, including covering a COVID patient with leeches. The Supreme Court shot the argument down, which was a massive power grab by the Biden administration, saying that the list of examples used in the Public Health Act informs the grant of authority by illustrating the kinds of measures that could be necessary. The Florida federal judge reasoned that the CDC improperly invoked the good cause exception to the APA's notice and comment requirement for new rules. Mazel also reasoned that the CDC's mass mandate was arbitrary and capricious, because the federal health agency failed to adequately explain its reasoning. Yes, it provided no fucking reasoning. And on top of that, the legal writer for Slate asked, who should decide whether air passengers must wear masks? A federal agency staffed with experts accountable to the president who is accountable to the people or a 35-year-old Trump judge in Tampa. I would prefer a federal agency, the the writer adds, uh, that has the constitutional authority to do a mask mandate. Congress never voted on a mask mandate bill, nor gave such authority to the CDC. Rules mean things, but leftists think that rules are mean things. 
They hate when the nasty constitution gets in the way. What the Twitter crybaby uh, missed entirely is that the question wasn't if it makes sense to force travelers to wear masks. The question was, who gets to make that decision? And what would be the legal authority to do so? So, and then I have this from Daniel Horowitz real quickly. Horowitz, your mask harms my baby. Now, even if masks worked by definition, one who doesn't wear one could not harm another person. After all, that other individual always has the ability to wear the mask and reap its amazing benefits if he thinks they exist. On the other hand, it turns out that wearing a mask can actually harm others, the most vulnerable among us. And of course it does, John Henry, and you mentioned this before. It was known from day one that children were not at risk from the virus. It was also evident from day one that shutting schools, isolating children, and then only exposing children to humanity through masks would destroy their physical, emotional, and mental health and reverse the language and developmental growth of a generation of children. A new UK report chronicles the degree of a civilizational arson that was committed against our children, turning an entire generation of children into helpless creatures incapable of talking, learning, and performing basic functions. So it goes on to say, while many have already focused on the harm of school closures to children, the shocking devastation to those who were infants and toddlers during the period of social mummification are incalculable. Remember those ripples I talked about, folks? And just becoming a parent. The report makes numerous observations regarding the youngest of children who are now approximately three to six years old. These children have limited vocabulary or lack of confidence to speak. Babies have struggled to respond to basic facial expressions. Children have started to speak in accent and voices that resemble the material they have watched. Remember that social part of the ESG score? Remember the indoctrination? Remember the grooming? Remember, remember all the social media connections, folks, that we've talked about here and all of these stories? Due to excessive screen time and to keep them occupied during social isolation, more children need help with basic self-care functions such as blowing their noses. They can't even blow their fucking nose, putting on their coats, and, and tying their shoelaces. More children have trouble telling time. Because what does it even matter if you have nothing to do and you're responsible for nothing? Fewer children are toilet trained, making more children unready for school by age four. And because of the lockdown, fewer infants and toddlers were walking outside and early childhood daycare providers have noticed delays in crawling and walking. So they're basically all turning into the lumps of shit from Wally, right? To reference Disney, who we've talked about in this episode. Now, and this is the last one I wanted to bring up before I turn it over to you for some final thoughts on this topic and just this week's episode uh, alone, John Henry, is this. Scientists discover world's first cure for heart attacks using the same mRNA technology as COVID vaccines. Why wouldn't the thing causing heart attacks be used to cure heart attacks too, John Henry. (laughs) 
the shots that are causing the heart attacks, people are now going to be given more shots from the shit that caused the heart attacks. You can't, you can't even make this shit up. <laughs> it says here, technology used to make COVID vaccines is now helping to regenerate hearts. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> I wonder why they need, why they're in need of regeneration, maybe. <laughs> Genetic codes called mRNAs produce proteins. Yes, sometimes spike proteins uh, to generate healthy heart cells. Sometimes it kills healthy heart cells. Who knows? Uh, researchers at King's College London say it may lead to cure for cardiac arrests, which you should be on the lookout for all around the soccer pitches all around fucking London and elsewhere and everywhere around the fucking world where people have taken these shots. My goodness, John Henry. Well, that's, uh, that's COVID for this week, amongst many other things. And I don't know if you saw Obama there. Uh, David Knight had a, a segment this past week, too, where he showed Obama on a stage in front of a group. And uh, what was it, Stanford saying, yeah, we, we, did a, uh, we, we did an experiment on the public here. He said it was a uh, clinical trial. <laughs> he said that we did a clinical trial on billions of people. Well, what the fuck do they do in the clinical trials there? Is that, is that any part of a experimentation, maybe? Isn't that what we've been saying and getting booted off YouTube for fucking saying and everything else, John Henry? Isn't that what we've been doing? But uh, I, guess I, I guess I'll end with this on the COVID stuff for this week. Um, as I mentioned, Jessica Priya before, whom we've had on the show and, and her battle out there in Hawaii. Uh, I also talked to our good friend this week, uh, TJ Wright, who's been on the show. And they're still battling things like that in New York. There is still plenty of battles out there, and that is also because, as David Knight rightly points out on his episodes quite frequently, is that we are still in a fucking emergency. We have still given these people dictatorial rights over our lives. It's still there. It may seem like there's plenty of other shit that people are uh, distracted by, that people are going back to some sort of normalcy, maybe, that the masks are off on the planes, yes, but the control mechanisms are all still there. And until we reform or abolish those things, we are not ever going to be free of them. So John Henry, I'm going to turn it over to you for some final thoughts here, and then we'll we'll sign off for this week. Folks, uh, if your brain doesn't hurt by now, (laughs) I don't know what will make it. Um... Gosh, man, it's uh, it makes me think of this sign at a, a mall I went to today, and it said, uh, you know, I got boosted to kick the variants in the butt, and it was this old lady smiling, and there's just so much propaganda out there. This is insane. I mean, completely insane that these vaccinations are killing people with myocarditis. They're literally causing heart failure. And now they're telling you they're going to use it um, to cure heart attacks. Like we have full blown got to up is down. Wrong is right. Evil is good. We can't stand for that. Can't buy into that. Can't be okay with that. That's a big responsibility we all have. So be the be the light for the people around you. Be the voice of reason. Be diplomatic in your your delivery and not diplomatic in the sense of how some of these fuckers are, which they just tell people they're stupid if they don't agree with their narrative. 
Bill Maher. Um, but let's stand up. Let's be strong. We got some wins coming here. DeSantis is a beast. I love what he did to shut down the woke bullshit and the grooming from Disney. Um, I love that CNN Plus has failed, so we'll just call it CNN Minus. Yeah. You fucking scumbags. The whole network's going to collapse now. I can't wait till it doesn't exist anymore. Um, the Elon Musk thing's been interesting. Do you see him troll Bill Gates today? Oh, I, I did. So, uh, you know, <laughs> did, did you see it? I did not. I did not see it. I'm going to have to look Let it up. Let me share. He's on a fucking tear right now, and I'm still kind of on the fence about Musk, but today he... Um, <laughs> So they, the new update on the iPhones and all the Apple products, they just put the pregnant man emoji on there. Oh yeah. yeah. And it said, if you want to, if you want to lose a boner fast <laughs> and it's the pregnant man emoji emoji next to Bill Gates in a blue shirt with his big fucking putty pudgy gut. <laughs> and, uh, so I like that stuff, man. And also I got one last shout out. Uh, I'm sure that you guys, if you're listeners, you follow all the same stuff on Instagram that we do. Uh, David Harris Jr., Trump Jr. But I just want to shout out to the guy at the dinner table with his family. Because that was one of the most joyous moments of the week. And, and if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, it's a family sitting down at dinner. And, um, you know, and, and one of the family members is pissed and he's pissed about um, the grooming the children in schools. And he's like, they're fucking pedophiles. They're pedophiles. And his mom's like, don't say that. This isn't a conversation for dinner. And he goes, yeah, it is a fucking conversation for dinner, mom. He goes, because you're voting. If you vote for these Democrats, you're voting for pedophiles that groom kids. And, um, you know, and the family's like kind of like, yeah, hey, don't don't vote for pedophiles, mom. And the son goes, <laughs> it is, it's great because he's just fucking losing it. And, um, and, and he goes, if you vote for these Democrats, you're a pedophile. And like the brother at the table goes, hey, don't call mom a pedophile. Um, but I just want to shout out to that guy because uh, <laughs> if you guys just, just look it up, man, like, you know, pedophile dinner, mom, whatever. I love that video. And, you know, and, and I sent that to number six and all my friends and family. And I go, this is me right now. You know, and everybody totally agreed with that assessment. You know, like that issue. Um, be that person. You know, I mean, do it the right way. But damn it, if you have to have a meltdown sometimes to show people how fucking wrong they are in their mode of thinking and supporting Democrats and these liberals and these psychos that are pushing all of this shit on us and our kids, it's just the wrong stuff, man. So be the guy at the dinner table. Sometimes you got to let these fuckers know I don't stand for these these pedophile sick bastards and I don't stand for them grooming our kids. And, you know, Trump's rally today, one of the biggest chants they had today, besides the Hillary Clinton locker up chant, which is always one of my favorites. Um, when he talked about the grooming and all the bullshit, the, the whole entire I mean, tens of thousands of people cheered, save our kids at the same time. And um, my, I got goosebumps, man. It, just sitting there and just hearing all these people and, and agreeance and understanding how important it is that we do the right thing for all of our future generations. Guys, that is your responsibility. Ladies, that's your responsibility. Hell, if you're non-binary and listen to the show, it's still your responsibility. If that's your decision you want to make, then so be it. Go ahead and do that. I believe that anybody can do whatever they want. But as we went through these articles today and you know, when the woman that went from a woman to a man back to a woman, you know, understand that it's not okay to push people into that. So I appreciate all of you guys. Let's just celebrate our wins of the week and um, stay strong, man. Have a conversation. Love your neighbors. Talk to people. 
uh, just do better. Be a good person. So I love you guys. Thanks for coming back and listening. We appreciate you. Back to you, sir. All right. Thank you, John Henry. And uh, man, we, we've talked about so much this uh, this week, but um, you know, I, w- one of the things that I, I wanted to bring up too is that uh, th- there's a, a few creators that have helped us out over the past couple of weeks um, in, in sharing our our, uh, our segments, uh, our clips, and and things from our our, our video uh, platforms. And I want to shout them out uh, real quickly. I wanted to thank Guard Goldsmith from Liberty Conspiracy. Uh, definitely go and, and check out his channel and also Silas Guthier from Silas Speaks. But I also uh, had just a little conversation with another creator this past week too, John Henry, and his name uh, is, goes by the Kurgan Report, uh, K-U-R-G-A-N uh, Report on uh, on BitChute. And uh, what that gentleman does is, is that he breaks down all of the different VARES reports that are that are being sent in right now. Case by case, person by person, goes over like the crazy side effects and all the different things that the people experienced before they died. And uh, he was just, uh, I listened to one of the segments the other day and he was just like, I'm sorry, I'm just in a foul mood. And I, I had to make contact with him and say, I understand why you're in such a foul mood. Like it's, it, it's rough to have to read through that shit. It's hard for people, especially if you're empathetic, as I believe that we are here at the New Prisoners. When you read that sort of thing, the, the mental damage that it can have um, of just being surrounded by that negativity and that death all the time. But I thanked him for that, and he was very gracious. So uh, definitely giving him a shout out, too. Um, it's not easy to do that sort of research. Uh, not easy on your mind or anything. But like I said before, until we reform and or abolish these systems— um, we are not going to be free. So until we meet again, <laughs> and until we are free, we are the new prisoners. Thank you for listening to the new prisoners. Let us know what you think about this week's topics on our minds page and Substack, or leave a comment under our video on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brideon. You can also risk being shadow banned, suspended, or permanently banned on Twitter and Instagram with us, or speak freely with us on Gab. Please feel free to share your own sources with us, and remember to share the information we provided you here. You never know what kind of difference it could make. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email the new prisoner number six at protonmail.com. Provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. And you can also donate to The New Prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support. There you can make a monthly donation of 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99. We also have a subscribe star where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners, or you could donate US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Demand answers, not orders. We are the new prisoners. <laughs>